Hey! Hey! This is Blothar from the rock band group Guar, and you are listening to All Things Music! Presented by Liquid Sound Records. Here are your hosts, Ryan Katz and Ian Illyrian. We're back. Welcome back to a long-awaited and possibly overdue episode of All Things Music. Ryan and Ian here with you. Fresh off of our return from Louder Than Life Festival in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, did you have fun? Had much fun. Much fun. Much fun. Great time. What was that, like the the meme with the dog? <laughs> Doge or whatever? Much Doge fun. Doge meme. Lots of music. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a blast. Uh, first and foremost, shout out to Danny Wimmer Presents for providing us with the opportunities that we had for some incredible interviews and interactions with uh, the talent that make that festival possible. Um but before we get into the interviews and stuff, first impressions as far as that was your first. I've been to a lot of Danny Wimmer presents festivals, but that was your first DWP festival. Would you like? Um, I thought it was very well put together. I like the fact that they had booze stations everywhere because that was kind of my vacation since sure. I work too much all the time. I think um, you and ninety thousand other people's vacation, yeah. Right. So <laughs> I know that I appreciated that. And um, it was really cool getting to do what we got to do because it kind of, you know, takes some of your idols and makes them appear more real life. Human. Know. There's a human. human element to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially when you're when you're interviewing somebody and you realize that you have a lot more in common with that person than right. you could ever find through their music. For me, it was, um, I think, Amigo the Devil mm-hmm. and... Um, and I, and I flag when okay. we talked to um, Chris, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was just like, man. That was probably my favorite interview. I mean, both of those are really good interviews. Um, right. It's a lot of substance. Um, but yeah, I, that was, so that was my first time at Louder Than Life. Um, been to plenty of Sonic Temples slash Rock on the Ranges back in the day, annually. Um, but this was different for me. It wasn't so... What makes Sonic Temple different from Louder Than Life and vice versa is Sonic Temple, which, by the way, is in May in Columbus. Um, that is a stadium festival. Um, you do have stages on the side, but it's a much different format. And I think, to no fault of Louder Than Life, just the the Sonic Temple is much more of a cohesive experience because you're jumping stage to stage to stage. It's very uh, laid out well, and I think that's just an element of where it is. Um, and I think Louder Than Life has had those challenges in the past with changing locations. I liked this location um, because of how linear it was. But uh, uh, there, there, are, there are definitely some differences. And, and I, I think that they're also both in the right time of year. So, you know, at the end of September, you can have all different kinds of weather right. in Columbus and in Cleveland and, and, and further north. But I think you're farther enough down in Louisville that uh, you don't have to worry as much about certain weather 
elements. I say that with, you know, last year's Louder Than Life was canceled entirely because of weather. So, uh, you know, I, I say that with a grain of salt, but uh, I think that overall remains true. Um, I, I think it was a really well put together show. It was it had a lot of Danny Wimmer, Danny Wimmer Presents signatures to it. Uh, the food selection was phenomenal. Right. Um, I'd agree with that. And I think a lot, especially Ian, I know you go to other festivals and other genres, and I think some things that are limited in those would be the, as we talked about while we were there, the, right. the experience of of whether it's food or, or different, just a lot of variety. Right. So I want to add, um, you know, I have been other other festivals of other genres, and the layout is always just kind of shit, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. And like stuff like the water stations and, you know, I brought up the booze thing. It's very hard and takes a long time to get access to that stuff at other festivals. What I realized about the Danny Wimmer Presents Festival is that it was organized a lot better. Overall, just more, it was just more nice. Everything just had a certain quality to it that I have not seen in other festivals before. Sure. And, and with... The same amount, if not more, people. Yes. So I think that that kind of is a testament to how long that DWP has been doing this. That some of a lot of these other festivals, especially in EDM and some of the hip hop ones, are very young. Right. And I think when you have a young festival like that, it's going to take time to work out those right. kinks and the logistics of it because it's a headache. We all know. Hell, just throwing a local show is a headache. I can't imagine doing that times, you know, a couple times. So. Right, right. It's just, uh, yeah, it's 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 a real good job by them. Especially, I can't imagine they probably had so much pressure on them, being that last year's was completely canceled. Um, you had a lot of of angry people that were probably expecting, you know, the nines, and they got it. I think they got it. So. I would agree with that. Yeah, definitely. I was very, very impressed, and I'm not just saying that because, sure. you know. Now, as far as music goes, favorite set that you saw? Favorite set? Oh, man. I have to think about this. I like Slipknot a lot, but I really like the Data Remember. It's kind of a Data Remember was kind of a throwback for me because I saw them all the way back, 2011 Warp Tour. Okay. And that's that's a much different uh, setting than this. Yeah, and I really like that Dirty Honey band too. That's because I yeah. I really like the Southern blues, Southern rock. I genre. think another thing that I enjoyed about this that I would say shouldn't be done to Sonic Temple because I think that they both have their own signatures like this. But since Louisville is more of a Southern experience, I think having a lot of the opening bands be like that chill yeah. rock, Southern rock blues was a good move by dwp to kind of set this set the set the mood you right know? and i was actually thinking about that too and they're playing i'm like you know in kentucky this is a perfect place mm-hmm. to do that in ohio probably not so much mm-hmm. so kind of props to them for right taking that which again i think something that i noticed in in louder than life was that there is a specific formula to each day it seemed sort of how EDM is or electronic music is formatted where you have chiller genres moving up to more extreme genres. Right. And at Sonic Temple, it's not like that at all. And I think that's okay because sometimes you want a festival where you kind of want spontaneous action, you know, throughout the day. 
Um, but I think with Louisville and the weather and all of these things combined being what it was for Louder Than Life, that it worked exceptionally for that weekend. Uh, my favorite set, so if you've been listening to this for you know at least a couple weeks, you understand that I'm a Slipknot fan for life, hardcore, everything. And even one of the drunk guys next to me was like, he knows all the words. Oh, yeah, he sung every word to every song That's they right. played. That's right. I know them all. Um, so that would obviously be my first choice. But putting that aside, because it's just not fair to answer that, I'd say Knocked Loose. I think especially those guys yeah. at home in Louisville, they really, because those guys every night bring just more energy than I could ever muster. That that set and the people there actually had the most energy out mm-hmm. of anything that I saw the whole weekend. Sure. And um, I think they also had the smallest crowd of it, I would almost go to say. But Close it was the it. most energized. Yeah. Um, which is just kind of a recipe for eventual success on a on a bigger scale sure i agree with that and i think a band like that needs a more intimate setting to really convey what they do um i was explaining that to you before is that when they play those small clubs people go on stage with them and like i mean like dozens of people you can't even if they didn't have instruments you would have no idea who was actually in the band right i don't know that was pretty cool as well um so that's kind of our wrap up and we'll get into these interviews which are a gold mine of information and really fun uh, conversations with people but uh before we do that we're going to debut something that i've wanted to do for a while and it will be a staple of every episode is we're going to have some new segments here that are going to be pretty fun for ian and i to, to talk about uh so this first segment is called what the fuck is wrong with you what the fuck is wrong with you So this segment is about kind of calling each other out on our social media antics. Oh boy! Um, so I, I just, you know, I was scrolling through Ian's Facebook the other day, and Ian, by the way, why aren't you on Twitter? Uh, for some reason, I got kicked off. So I saw an account uh, that was yours, like, but it has like nothing on it. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you gotta get back on Twitter because that's usually where the gold mine is. But uh, so. Explain this to me. I found this meme on your wall that says, I wore girl pants so you could wear skinny <laughs> jeans. So, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, what, what is, um, so did you actually wear girl pants? I mean, I know you didn't make the meme, but like that, the sentiment of it is what it is. Yes. Wow. Hey, man. So, I, I took the L <laughs> for, for the rest of you to have the freedom, man. So, and that was difficult. Yeah, but wasn't that so emasculating? Like, and mask it. Ah, shit. Back then, it was. Well, I don't know. People made fun of me a lot. Right. Well, but, you were in girl pants. But nowadays, you know, it's kind of common. And if you're not wearing skinny jeans, you're not cool. So sure. I was doing that shit before it was cool. Man, I sound old. <laughs> I wore girl pants before it was cool. Uh, yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah, I was, dude, I was in a. Metal band, you know, Hot Topic, the staple yeah. of Hot Topic. They could have put me as a poster child for Hot Topic. I'm sorry, I, I, you know, I'm in a band now, and I still can't ever see myself wearing Slim Fit or. Well, no offense, whatever. but your band is kind of like a Nickelback. Hey, <laughs> no, we're not. I'm just um, talking with you, but no, I, I, I just don't see myself doing it. You ever, you ever, you watch Friends, the show Friends? Yeah. There's an episode where Ross. Uh, goes over to this chick's house and he bought these leather pants. Oh boy! And they're like skin tight leather pants, 
And he thought he looked like super cool in them or whatever. And he goes over there and it's really hot. And he's realizing it's really hot. So he asks her to go to the bathroom. And so he's taking him off just to like, um, you know, get some air under there. <laughs> and uh, he starts spritzing water up in that area and tries to put him back on. But the water makes the leather pants stuck. So yeah. then he tries to put baby powder in there. And it just makes this giant mess. He's got to wa- do this walk of so, shame through her living room. So what Ross should have done is gotten a belt. And wear wore his uh, skinny jeans, girl pants, whatever you call them, really low, like below the ass, <laughs> and then just got a really <laughs> long shirt. I, I mean, that's what I did, man. Is back in the day. Uh, yeah. I think I had my. Uh, do you still have boxers hanging out of my pants? Do you still have those skinny jeans? Yeah. Or, or I should say, do you still have those girl pants? Because now skinny jeans for men is Mo- most of them for my. Uh, I don't know, just for laughs. I used to be able to fit in a twenty six thirty two. Shut up! I'm dead serious. You'd have to like. I still probably order that. I still probably could if I, I really tried. I was a twenty eight thirty before I got married, and now I'm like a 30, 30, yeah. 32, 30, You know, like I'm I'm starting to. Well, I haven't really changed in size, so that's the interesting get part. Married, I don't know how the I don't married. know how the hell I did it or why. I mean, it's like when I put them back on and stuff every once in a while, I'm like, damn, it's hard to walk, and I I remembered that. Back in high school, you know, I had to kind of, kind of have a Look gangster like, yeah, walk, stick you know, up your, stick up your ass, right? Yeah, little, not really. Yeah. It's more like a. It's <laughs> maybe sometime I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to see that. Um, so yeah, you don't. I, I since you're new, you don't even know that these segments were happening. Really, I don't assume you are. I I for... read them, but I didn't know they we were implementing. Okay, them this so thing. next episode, Ian will be more prepared. For oh his, no, I got his, one for you right now. Okay, give it to me. All right, a long time ago. And, and we talked about this for a long time. I think yeah. most of what trip home. You know what I'm going to ask? Yeah. Go for it. If it's not an analog instrument, oh God, it's not a real It's not a real instrument. You know, we're going to have a full... I'm going to table that because we're going to have a full episode on that someday because we literally spend probably two of our five hours home oh, more. with that or more. discussion. So that could be a whole episode. And <laughs> if we go into that now... This episode is going to be like five hours long with interviews. And it, was, it was very heated at points too. I don't want to say heated. It I was. It was. It was. Uh, I think it was very healthy. Yeah. Yeah. It, maybe a, a teensy bit heated for me, but that's just because I was using the wrong terminology. Ta- wrong terminology, and I had to explain. And I'm like, oh man, how do I sure. begin to? Uh, explain something like but i think at the end of the day we were on the same page yeah but we'll revisit that again at a different time but yeah i hear you on there um this next segment is called get offended by this so go ahead and get offended by this all right so this segment is really just shit that we need to get off our chest that might offend people (laughs) Like, this is our safe space to be non-PC. So, the thing that I want to bring up, and it's brought up in an interview as well that we did, but Aaron Lewis, and what we weren't really fond of in regards to their set at Louder Than Life. Now, speaking from a specific music standpoint, I think they killed it. They hit it out of the park. I think they did a classic, nostalgic, stained uh, yeah. Uh, set. They're very tight for not playing for a million years. I think that was definitely. Apparent. Well, I don't know if Aaron Lewis. He almost looked like he was wasted, but <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure about that either. He was either really just not giving distant. a fuck. Yeah. Or w- was really 
fucking wasted. So what I what I saw in the a lot of the Facebook groups and such from other people commenting on Stain's performance. Again, no one that I know says that they had a bad performance, but I think what we all noticed was it was four members doing their own thing. They didn't seem like a cohesive band. Yeah, it was very weird, especially mm-hmm. the um the 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 bassist and the guitarist, man, were like the the guitarist was almost I mean I don't know how to explain it but Aaron so Aaron Lewis guitarist was, was killing it. I think he was doing he some was really killing sweet it stuff. but it just he was overkilling it yeah you know what I mean but like, but think about it this too they haven't played for so long and it's your first he's time happy, so it's yeah. probably a, a but then Aaron Lewis is just like not why am I fucking here yeah. I fucking hate which is this. crazy because normally when you see someone's face like that the voice comes out the same but it was not like that like his voice he had a lot of passion and energy to it but his facial expressions and his mannerisms didn't. yeah it was very really odd. like he was the only thing i think of it was and i told you this when he's playing I'm like dude mm-hmm. this guy is really fucked up right really he could have been but the thing about it is if he was that fucked up i don't think he would have sang as well as he did which is the part that confuses me. Right. <laughs> Unless. Unless he just has it ingrained in his head. Or or so maybe much. like when he recorded all those songs. He was fucked up. He was up. fucked up. People are like that. People oh, don't, yeah. can't be talented unless they're inebriated in some way. So I'm not going to lie. Um, yesterday. Um, yeah, it was. No, it was two days ago. I was like, we went to the, I went to the Mexican restaurant mm-hmm. and. Had a margarita, and then my guy, the guy I'm writing an album with right now, or okay. VP or whatever, right. um, we went to the tavern down the street from me, and I had some whiskey, and then I came home, and I had a Bud Light, and we started writing. But I basically wrote a song about Jack Daniels being my friend. <laughs> and I was thinking, man, when I'm writing this song, I'm going to have to be, because I didn't record the vocals. I mean, I even doing the vocals, which is super oh fucking boy, weird. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's, it's odd. To <laughs> uh, totally went out of my comfort zone. Right. But I'm like, I wrote all that stuff, wrote all the vocals, but I didn't record the vocals yet. And I'm like, damn, I'm going to have to be, like, fucked up again <laughs> to, to remake, to write this, Sure. go and record this song. Because sure. I don't think that I could do it sober, which makes me think... You know, it comes back to this conversation. Certain bands, can they re-perform if they way back when recorded this stuff, right? Can mm-hmm. they keep performing it like they did in a different state of mind? It's so it's such a t- controversial topic, and it's good for the segment. And it's not even why I made Stain's a segment. We were just going to talk about his 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 T-shirt right. and shit, but we can get to that. But but, but I think. Uh, on one hand, you're like, well, if it's what that takes to recreate that awesome talent, then awesome. But at the same time, some people may say, wow, I can't believe it actually takes something other than their natural ability to bring it out. So there's kind of two two sides to that. So I think the reason for that might be that stuff like drugs and alcohol give you a type of comfort blanket mm-hmm. to do that where normally and not giving a fuck than than normally than you normally would sober. Sure. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I for me personally, I lose all cognitive 
anything when I'm drunk. So I would have a really hard time being a good musician. That's why like a lot of like my bandmates and stuff will do shots before they're set and yeah and, and all that. And I just can't different different strokes different, for different yeah, folks. Man. I like need to be super focused, and I'm always too focused because yeah. I always get yelled at by the guys for not moving around as much on stage. Well, yeah, that's that's another factor, you know. I've noticed, and and I went down kind of a dark path for a while when I was DJing a lot, because um, I always got free drinks mm. and just everybody gave me free shit all the time sure and there was a point where i think i could not play if i wasn't relatively wasted and then i started i played i was really wasted this one set and i thought i played bad but i thought i was fucking great <laughs> but i'm like in my head i couldn't get past it and i'm like i'm gonna slow way the fuck down because i'm not doing that sure. again yeah no doubt let's talk about their t-shirts okay <laughs> so uh we all understand that there's a very, especially at these metal festivals, there's a very eclectic group of people from a political right. standpoint. And um, I would almost venture to say it's 50 left, 50 right, if you're really going to, if you're going to I would, I would it. agree. And uh, so people that don't know, Beto O'Rourke, uh, a former congressman running for president, said not long ago that he was going to take everybody's assault rifles away, which anybody who's a realist knows that's impossible um regardless there's been a lot of backlash and and stained uh aaron lewis comes out with a shirt that has an assault rifle on it and it says do you remember what it, it says? says hey beto and then try and it, come and take this or something with come and try rifle. and take yeah. these and then it has an american flag assault rifle in the right. middle of the statement right so one thing that pisses me off because I saw a bunch of people cheer when he came on with that that shirt. Oh, and his neck tattoo. I feel like I gotta add this. Don't, tread, ne- on don't me. tread on me. He has a Trump tattoo. It's very yeah. easy to see where he aligns. And uh, Mike Mushak, the bassist, also had similar things. Um, what bothers me is like Corey Taylor, lead singer of Slipknot, came out a couple weeks ago and said Trump is fucking retarded. All these things. Right. And then all the Magalodons, which is, I'm coining that term, now, <laughs> uh, came out and said, hey, we don't pay you, or you, sh- you don't get paid to spew your political opinions. You get paid to write music. <laughs> How and ironic. Music. Exactly, because when Aaron Lewis does it from the other side, uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's looked the other way because, oh, he's on my side rather than, than the other side. So I found that very hypocritical. Um Regardless, again, I think Stain's set was good. It's just one of those things where you have this internal struggle of, oh my God, I it's really hard to love look past. the music, yeah. but I hate the people. Not I don't hate the people, but I very much dislike what they stand for. So, yeah, that was just something interesting. Uh, let me look up the next segment here. So, the next segment is called Kill Em All. Kill em all, kill em all. So this is really just like something that we're really angry about every day. And I'm a pretty angry guy, so this segment makes a lot of sense for me. Um, What I want to get off my chest is uh, something that's really just cancerous to the music industry and something I just dealt with on a personal level a couple days ago. Um, My band had a conference call with somebody. I won't mention names. I won't mention companies or anything like that. Um, but we had a conference call with this specific person who owns this 
quote unquote record label. And I say that with uh, a lot of lightheartedness because it's not a record label. Um, this person got on the call with us and started to try to sell us a dream, you know, and, and, uh, my bandmates are all in their early to mid twenties and impressionable a little bit. And, um, so if I wasn't there, they probably would have taken the dream or at least considered it. Um, but me being a full-time music business owner, owning a management agency and knowing a lot of things that I know kind of could sniff out the bullshit right away. And because I could sniff out the bullshit right away, this person got really defensive and said, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, which is extremely unprofessional, but nothing I haven't heard or seen before in the music industry. People are just brash. You're going to deal with that Uh, a lot. Yep. I'll tell you that right now. Yep. And, uh, just, I just kind of called him out on his, I call it a legal scam because he's not breaking the law, but what he's doing is very exploitative and uh, it's really wrong. Um, It really pissed me off for like a couple of days. Like every time I think about the conversation, I just get really angry about it because the things he was saying to us, like he didn't know who I was at first. Right. So it was very much like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here I'm going to. He was trying to sell you something. Right. Here's my script. And I'm going to tell you this and this and this. Right. And then literally as soon as I turned it around and started, whether it was, you know, I did a little bit of name dropping. I'm not afraid to do that. Uh, I, I kind of used a lot of technical terms that most of these bands just don't don't know Understand. about. And, and right. he got really defensive and started to really lash out and was just like, I don't want to work with you anymore and all this. But there are so many scammers out there that these, these poor bands, there's a lot of bands and there's every, everybody wants the same thing. Everybody wants to go on to tour. To be famous, Everybody man. wants that deal. Everybody wants... Yeah, exactly. And I think you have to really uh, temper your expectations because there's a lot of, of things that sound good on paper, but then 20 years from now might not be good anymore. Hell, we were listening to... Uh, Black Keys. Black Keys we're podcast. We're actually just talking about this. Yep. Uh, in the car on the way home, the Joe Rogan. They were on the Joe Rogan podcast, which, by the way... Do you remember me saying to you about so how they mentioned how they worked at a record store in Akron? Yeah. And you remember me saying, uh, oh, I wonder if it was that same record store I went to. Which one is it? So I mentioned one that I went to as a kid and, and we didn't finish the podcast. So on the way home, like literally the next 10 minutes, he goes, yeah, it was Quonset Hut. And I was like, oh my God, that's where I fucking went really? all the time. Yeah, like, and if you're from Akron and yeah. you know anything, you know what that is. Yeah. That's funny. So yeah, I went there. I bought my, the first Slipknot album there. Uh, I wonder if you bought it from them. Dude, that would just been like 360 crazy. Like completely. Because were they at the time? So it would have been 96. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm they were pretty still positive there, that's the time that, yeah. that no, it would have um, been my mom bought, buying it for me. Well, either way, you might have indirectly bought a fucking Slipknot record from the, from the Black Keys, of all things, right? So, yeah. That, that's, that's weird. That's a cool side note. But, but something that the Black Keys talked about in that podcast was, and something that Rob Zombie was on Joe Rogan did, said the same yeah. thing, was that most of these guys uh, that are now really big, they had like three or four record label offers on the table before they, they found what they wanted. And a lot of these bands today think, oh my God, this might be our only shot if I say no. So they take the, the first are, yeah, one. Exactly. And the labels know that. The labels aren't aren't ignorant to the fact that this band's this is the band's first um, 
deal. So we're basically to, they just rip people off to put to put this in easy terms. They they rip people off, and then the the bands are ending up paying them money. Yes, over a very long like a loan. Yep. So the, so record labels you almost think of them as banks and loan officers <laughs> for musicians. Sure, literally. Yeah, yeah. It's not good. It's a it's a very toxic thing and. The nice part about it is when you get to the level of the Black Keys, you kind of regain that leverage and you can kind of say, no, fuck right. you, I'm going to do it my way. Um, but my advice to these um, these kids in these bands that want that label deal is when a label presents something to you, think about it from a perspective of 10 years when you're really, really big. Does the label make, yeah. does the deal make sense? Don't think about it as, okay, I'm an underground band, I want to quit my day job. Right. Think about it as, all right, I'm on my third album cycle. Does this do these deals make sense if I were to go gold or platinum? Not, and I would or say, whatever? I would say, do a lot of research, mm-hmm. and which if, is so available you, right now. Because yeah. back then it was not right. nearly as available. And, and if you don't know, find somebody. Even if you have to go out of your way, mm-hmm. find somebody to review the material from a legal standpoint. Oh, you have to get an entertainment lawyer. I think that's or, a must. Yeah, I, I mean. Because I've even come close to making that mistake, and I've gotten lucky um, a couple times. And, sure. and now that you know, I I know a lot more. I'm like, holy shit! Mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't do X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah, because I mean, it's just you know, it's just a bunch of bullshit that people are trying to scam me about all the time. Like those Arabic people trying to call you on the <laughs> fucking phone and. Shit. That was that was so not PC for that moment because they're not Arabic, they're Hindu. Hindu, <laughs> Arabic, whatever. Oh my god, it's that all was, that was man. too fucking funny. Um, all right, so on that note, it's time to play fact or fiction. I can't tell facts from fiction. So this is a pretty uh, self-explanatory segment here. I'm going to give Ian uh, topics, and he's going to tell me if that's fact or fiction and why. So, oh boy. Uh, first thing, fact or fiction. <laughs> Metal festivals are better than electronic festivals. Oh, boy. I don't know how to answer that. Fact or fiction. you got to give it one or the other. There's not like a... Fiction. Okay, and why? Why? Uh, like we talked about in the car on the way back, from Kentucky, mm-hmm. I think that they're equal. Uh, I think the big difference right now is the fact that electronic festivals are still early on in the stages. Sure. Um, I guess you could say that rock festivals are at better least in quality the United buys, right? Are better quality, yeah. At least in the United because States, because in Europe, oh, it's, it's, it's different. Been, yeah, it's yeah, different yeah, yeah. than right. here, right? And I'd say rock festivals right now, quality wise and organization wise. Mm-hmm. Are are better, right? But there's still, at least personally for me, a unfilled void. Void. Sure, <laughs> I, I got what you <laughs> that mean. That electronic festivals fill. Understood. So equal. I think it's a, I think it's a really good way to answer that. Yeah. So, fact or fiction? DJs aren't musicians. DJ, not producers. Oh, DJs boy. and non-turntable DJs. So CDJ. CDJs or controllers. Man, you're asking non difficult MP- questions. Non NPCs, none of that. Like literally. Um. 
man. How do I answer just, this? You just got to say fact or fiction. If, if they're using computers and the technology coming from a realistic standpoint here, I would say that that's probably a fact. Now, I'm going to catch a lot of fucking <laughs> I knew you would, and we can talk about that with a guest but coming up in a week. I just want to throw this out there. Yeah. When I started my electronic music career, mm. I started on a controller and a laptop, okay? Sure, so did I. And then it dwelled into me having a full-blown studio and more shit than... Po- most people could probably comprehend. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, listen, it just, when we say DJs aren't musicians, we don't mean you're never going to be a musician. It just means if you are a DJ using a controller or CDJs and you have no plans yeah. to, to produce or to invest in in other things and, and kind of make a more well-rounded brand, then you're more of a figurehead or somebody who's, right. you know. It, it's almost like a fashion um, is what I'd say. And I just want to add, you know, I know so many people that literally know nothing about music mm-hmm. and can play controllers on a computer sure. because the computer does all the fucking work. Now, I'm going to catch a hell of a lot of flack for that, but when you have sync and you don't have to count Dude. and you have people the records there. And, I figured by oh, this Oh, I know. Uh, literally. I could, most of these people out there, yeah. That's ridiculous. And and I can say that, and I, I feel like, there's no I'm reason you think, especially when waveforms are literally right in front of you and you can yeah. match them without Well, I that. feel like I can actually talk about this subject because I've seen it a million times mm-hmm. and I've been there. I would not be sitting here saying I would call things. people out. First thing I would do, yeah. I would say, hey, man, your sync button's on. Why is it on? And now I have no skin in the game anymore, so it's a little easier for me to do that because I don't have as many consequences to my, my words in that, in that community. Um, but that's still, like, oh, it's just embarrassing. Like I don't even know. It's Being like it's like p- having it's like having a bicycle and never taking off the training wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, being being a musician, you're a musician, right? You're not doing playing, things playing fake. and listening. It. Listening to Spotify on a fancy computer that's a controller is another thing. Exactly. And if you can't figure out how to work club sound and stuff, you know, because I like like for example, I go to Thursdays down the street, mm-hmm. and people only know how to turn on the sound or. Yikes. Do the EQ or anything right. to make it sound decent. I just see these motherfuckers redline the shit out of everything and mm-hmm. blow things up constantly. That's yep. why that club's always going through new head units and all kinds sure. of new shit because people blow it up because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. If you don't know what you're doing and you sit there on your con- laptop, on your controller, playing Spotify songs, that's a little bit different than actually going and playing and being able to count and writing things, period. Writing things. I think that's certainly the key. Uh, last factor, fiction. Fact or fiction, not investing in yourself as a musician makes it a hobby. Yes. Because... Yes, or, what? <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yes. Fact. fact. Um, you know, the, the thing is, is a hobby is something that you don't invest into. I and mean, I don't just, just mean monetarily, I mean overall. Yeah, and and I was actually just talking to my girlfriend about this. If you really care about something and you really want to do something, you invest time mm-hmm. and cha-ching, money. Money. Into it. Stress. You know, when I yeah, when I started getting in into actually producing and stuff, I went out and bought you know, equipment to do so, and I spent literally countless hours um learning material. Just to be able to learn how to work sure. things properly. Yeah. And I think then that's when it becomes serious like that and you're investing all that time and that money into something. Mm-hmm. It is no longer a hobby. You know, when I was DJing and stuff before I started producing, 
I was doing it for fun. And maybe at the time I thought it was serious until I really dived into it. And I'm like, man, I look back on my old, my former self. And I'm like, it's a joke compared to how much time and effort and money I've put into it and have into it now. Absolutely. And it, and I've become that next level. Yeah, I agree completely. And it goes with not just DJing and producing, but you know, anything, getting, any anything, anything in life. You have to put something into it if you want to get something it, out of it. It's like saying, I'm going to go to the gym. But all I'm going to do is do upper body and work on arms. Sure. And then, you know, for the ladies. But then we'll, okay. Can't skip leg so, day, bro. So that's a sh- that's just a hobby. You're doing a hobby <laughs> for the ladies. Leg not, day makes it real. Yeah. <laughs> when you do leg day and you do all of their shit and you start investing into it and invest in training, then you become serious. Sure. No longer a hobby. Absolutely. All right. Time to uh, answer some questions from our fan crew. What a stupid question that is. What a stupid question. But I watch you a lot. You ask a lot of stupid questions. <laughs> All right. So questions. Uh, this first one comes from uh, Sean Blade. Can you separate the man from the music? And I think we discussed this a little bit with Aaron Lewis, but I, I, I think that's an important question is if you like something so much, like a, like a producer or, or let's take Datsik, for example. I mm-hmm. mean, he made some really good music. Can right. you separate it? Or I think in there are certain cases you, you can, in certain cases you can't, but you, you go ahead first with that. Um, my analogy for that would be, you know how like when bands first start, they're really, really good? Most of, mm-hmm. You know, this is most of the time that sure. this happens. Um, not all the time. But then they sign to a big record label, and the record label starts changing, separating the man from the music. Mm-hmm. Because the record label... Like the Black Keys talks about the record label, try to get them to switch it up. And they're like, no, fuck you. And we're going to keep doing it because it's been yeah. the reason why we're successful. Exactly. Um, when that happens, I would call that separating the man from the music. And then all of a sudden, you notice a major difference in the quality of music oh, coming sure. from the same band. Bring Me the Horizon. Mm-hmm. Is what they're making now really them? No, I don't know. Well, we can't. We, we, so. We're not in the room. We're so, not yeah. in the room, but I would almost guarantee you that the record label has a play in that. Uh, that's what I'm thinking too. I actually had this discussion with Finn McKinty, who will be on our podcast uh, in the coming month. Um, but yeah, I think I personally think that the label does have a play in that because money talks. Right. Um, it's hard for me to believe that a band that was like so brutally. Uh, or we don't even talk about metal, but just so different in, in, in one part. Just compl- It's one thing to evolve over time. All bands will evolve over time. Right. But um, to have a complete 180 shift seems uh, pretty implausible for a band to decide to do that on their own. I could be wrong, but right. that just seems like something. Um, but as, as, as far as, you know, I, I do have a hard time separating the music from the man in regards to certain cases. So, like... A great example is Lost Profits. That fucking asshole, uh, I don't even know his name. It's not even worth mentioning. The lead singer of Lost Profits, he raped an infant baby. He's mm-hmm. in prison for life, and he has he has fans still, which is incredible. Um, I can't listen to that music at all. And I liked them when they came out because it was good angsty hard rock for when I was like 13. But I, it's just something like I, I there's no way in hell no matter how good their music was, that I could go back and listen to it knowing he did what he did. 
Um, but at the same time, there's Asley dying and Tim Lambesis, who, for those that don't know, he uh, put a hit out on his wife and got arrested for it and spent four years in prison, just got out two-ish years ago. So he's, he's, he paid his due. Um, and then he really was transparent and asked for forgiveness and, and really did all of the right things. And right. I think because of that, now I'm able to enjoy their music because that was another big, big band of mine childhood. So I think there's, there's definitely different cases to be made for different people uh, in regards to, can I still enjoy this group knowing that this is happening? So, yeah. Well, and, uh, personally on that note, um, music's always a part of me no matter what. I'm always thinking of the stuff in my head. Um, the only the only way I'd ever see that being different is if I was forced to be by a, another entity to, to write different stuff that was not me, sure. so to speak. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we exactly answered what he's asking, but... Yeah, I mean, it could be answered in so many different ways. I think that's yeah. part of the thing, but... Uh, the next question comes from uh, LaMonica Dwayne Williams. Uh, what is the most beneficial way to get your song on multiple playlists and, more importantly, stay on those playlists? Uh, I'll let you tackle that first. Um, I would say just keep being relevant. And I think um, it's very genre-dependent as well. Yeah, being relevant to that genre, being active in the community. Um, Explain that. I'm not sure how that how active that's in the do community with, with uh, actually getting on aggregated playlists. Well, I feel like you need to grow your base locally. Yes, grassroots and, promotion is extremely and important. S- and stay in contact with that mm-hmm. grassroots because okay. those are the those are the people that are really sure. Those are the people that are going to follow your every move. Yeah, yeah. And as long as you stay in contact with them, I believe that it'll reflect. In your playlists and okay. um, in your engagement on social media, yep. I know like the most people that comment on my stuff, obviously, and this is probably for most people mm-hmm. out there, um, are people that I personally know and engage with daily. Okay. And if there was a year that I did not talk to those people, they would probably not engage with my stuff sure. anymore. Right. Um, and actually, I just saw something about this the other day. I made shirts. You know, I had shirts for my uh, DJ stuff. Mm-hmm. People still wear those shirts, and it's the people I still engage with. Yep. You know? Yep. So I have a, I have an inkling of a feeling that that would direct, directly affect your um. I think so. That's, like, that's a different, different perspective for sure. I'm going to take a different angle on it. I think sure. that uh, especially Spotify, because there's no playlist better than Spotify for you getting metrics up and making what money you can off of these things. Um, and I think what Spotify looks for, because keep in mind, especially their editorial playlists, which are playlists made by Spotify, those are the ones that are the most important to get on. Right. Um, and they, it's not an AI or some kind of automated system doing it. They're literally going through all of these tracks that are submitted for these playlists, um, and they're determining what would be best. And I think there's a couple, there's a couple answers to that recipe. Number one is quality is extremely important. Yeah. Um, if you don't spend the right money on the right studio, on the right mixing, the right mastering, doing all of those proper things to make your music sound literally 
as good, if not better, than the A-listers. The gold standard. Yes. Yeah. Then you already are putting yourself down a few pegs. And you have to be very careful because you might be so close to your music that you think the quality is there. And I've met a lot of people every day, actually, who think that their quality is up to what's on the radio or what what who they uh, you know uh, look up to and such such um, and sometimes it's just them being too close to the product and they need other other ears so don't be afraid to be like okay I'm gonna have three of my buddies and then somebody who's more random to me an acquaintance listen to my music that's what I just did with you yeah you did you did and and see where where they hear it because again especially when you're making music, you're hearing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again where it gets static to a point. Yeah. Um, so that's number one, making sure that you are in a proper studio, but even more so proper composition, using music theory properly, doing a lot of those those artist development things that, that are required to have any kind of actual musical success without the business aspect. I think the second thing is more of a calculated thing um, if you are, if that is your goal to get on on these these playlists, come out with not every song has to be like this. But if you want want a single or something that you really want picked up on these playlists, make the thir- first thirty seconds very engaging. Mm-hmm. I think part of the big issue is that uh, because you have all of these people working for Spotify listening to I can't even imagine how many songs they listen to on a daily basis. Um, if that thir- first 30 seconds doesn't appeal to them or doesn't strike them as, okay, I got to keep listening to more, then you're really going to come, you're, there's no point because you're going to put them to sleep, they're going to press the next button, they're going to move on to the next submission. So those are really the two main things I think are required to uh, at least get that attention from these big wigs who determine uh, who how many people listen to your music and such, so... Um, with that, uh, let's uh, get started on these interviews. The uh, first one that we'll play for everybody was uh, Phil and Samo in the Illegals. Um, so it was really cool to see Phil and uh, the Illegals play at, at Louder Than Life because, as I told, I don't know if I told this to Phil or if I told this to the band, but we're both too young to ever have that actual Pantera experience. And for those that don't know, Phil Ansama was the uh, vocalist for Pantera for almost their Pantera's entire uh, career. Um, legendary heavy metal icon. I mean, he's more recognizable than just about anybody um, in that community. So um, it was really cool to, to talk to them, but uh, I think it was even cooler to have that Pantera-esque experience because they play, most of their set was Pantera songs. Um and it almost was like a portal back in it time. It was weird. It was cool, but, but it was weird. But very, yeah. very badass. Yeah, definitely. So uh, here's our interview with uh, Phil and Samo and the Illegals. So first of all, your set was awesome. It's incredible. Um, we're too young, unfortunately, to have seen Heydays and Pantera and stuff, but that was our... Me too. Uh, yeah? How old are you? I never saw it. Oh, you're 29? Holy shit, I'm 28. I'm 37. Okay. I still never saw it. Huh. So he has got an excuse. I know. I, I you ever pick on you about that? I fucked up, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. It's funny because now you're sitting here in the band. Yeah, I mean, basically, next best thing, I guess. Ha- has it sunk in yet? Keeps, it keeps, it keeps coming back. Time, you know. Right. I mean, I'm sure you wake up some mornings and you're like, 
I'm just a drummer, I'm just a guitarist, you know? And then, well, this morning, I woke up and I went to the, uh, porta potties, and it was just me and Phil next to each other, <laughs> and I was just thinking to myself, Wild times. Wild times. I'm with a legend. <laughs> right. <laughs> Doesn't get much better than that. That sounds like a song. I mean, it does get better than that, trust me. <laughs> I mean, I work a nine to five and I'm sitting here with you guys, so what is the world? So maybe right? it just doesn't get better than that for us. <laughs> right, you know, hey right. man, it can always get better, man. So how did you how did you find you guys or how did you find him or how how did that all come about? He signed my band Warbeast when I was like 18. What was the name? Warbeast. Warbeast. That Warbeast. sounds really yeah, familiar. Yeah. yeah probably, if you saw him, you probably heard of us. Uh, but uh, yeah, he signed that band, and then uh, a couple years went by, being on the label, did some tours, and then I started working with him in his solo project, which is sure. the Illegals. Right. And uh, so I've I've been with the Illegals since the inception. So. Wow. What about you? Uh, I had a I have another band with Phil called Scour. Okay. And I play guitar on that one, but I'm actually a bass player. And I kind of dropped out of another band I was in right around the same time. They needed a bass player. Sure. And I uh, came out to see him at a show. We just started talking. I mean, this is this is a gig to have. I, I, I don't know. I, I would probably. Sorry, guys, if you're listening, I'd probably leave my band to be a member of the Illegals. So you know. I'd have to agree with you. Yeah. So why, since you've been around since the beginning of the Illegals, why are you called the Illegals? Uh, well, we, we were coming up with a bunch of names, and one of them was like the cute, the elite guys. <laughs> the elite and, and it's, guys. it's like, when, when it comes to band names, you either spend a lot of time fucking around with these right. weird, dumb names, or you kind of come up with one or two at the beginning. Sure. And you're like, those are probably going to stick. Yeah. It's right. like the magic of the studio or magic of being in a band or whatever. And I'm pretty sure that it came up. It's like, well, the Illegals is pretty cool, so we kind of tried to work around it, maybe something else, and then Illegals is like, we're all like smoking pot. Like, well, we're pretty fucking illegal. I just gotta. Alright, yes, yeah, so let's stick with that. Huh. On behalf of the entire world, I'm really glad that you didn't pick the elite guys. The elite guys. <laughs> that is something else. Phil the and Samo. Or Phil and Samo and the elite guys. Yeah. Or the cute. That's what it's going It's written on the board. It's written on the board. Really? Phil and has Samo and the cute. So are you guys working on like new music then? Okay, As like your own entity? Yeah. So you guys like up there playing a bunch of Pantera stuff. Which we're not complaining. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, I think it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's everything's really just, a, it, it happened the way it happened, and, and Philip felt it was time to pay tribute to the brothers, and uh, it's given us a platform to be able to give everybody history. Let's fucking see the legacy with Philip. We, can, we have an Like I said, it was kind of my own experience, Pantera experience. So, so we get to do that, and then we also get to write our own material, and... Uh, hopefully the fans that are fans of his enjoy it. So it's not everybody that's a fan of Pantera is a fan of Down or Super sure. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. But that's the beauty of music is you can like whatever the fuck you want. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. For us, it just gives us an opportunity to jam everything. Absolutely. Um, and we're both real music techies, music junkies. So tell us a little bit about your rigs. I mean, what, what do you? What do you? I, we saw what you have up on stage, but I'd like to know kind of the ins and outs of everything as far as. How many bases I, uh, you got? If it's not a trade secret. It, it, yeah. his rig, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I play ESP guitars okay. exclusively. Got an endorsement with them. And actually, they're in the house tonight. Really? So if you get a chance, I'd go check it out in the uh, yeah. music world. Tonight. Music experience, whatever. Yeah. I always go in there and then they yell at me for my amp being too loud. <laughs> oh, no. Go to ESP and tell Tony, Tony. that I said it was cool. All right. So I will do that. that. 
I need an ESP. So ESP, that's uh, LTD is part LTD, of that, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so do you have any LTDs or do you just have like... Yeah, I have uh, two LTDs with me. Uh, they're both the Stream model. I got a JC4 and a 1004. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I didn't... Apologies, I didn't pay attention. Do you have four strings or five string basses? Four. Okay. But there is going to be a few songs that we need the five for. So, so you'll have to, uh, have get, to bring one of those. Kind of make that get transition. A, get a custom one yeah. made. I mean, you got your endorsement. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Oh, I've got a bunch, and they're going to try and set me up. But, uh, That's sick. Yeah. That's totally right. You totally just committed somebody at the company. <laughs> yep. You hear that, Tony? Yeah. It's in the interview, bro. It's in uh, All Things Music. That's right. Uh, for me, I'm. Uh, I'm using Heisty Symbols. Uh, they've taken great, great care of me. Awesome fucking company. Uh, I'm using Foot Blaster triggers that are badass. Uh, Roland TM2 for my brain, just to trigger the kicks, just to get a little snap. So you're using kind of electronic hybrid. Yeah, for sure. Up. But we, uh, we right what I do is a double pedal and a single kick and have a mic on the inside and the outside and the triggers. Holy so there's shit. three signals coming off of one drum to get a, give it a lot of character, a lot of beef, uh, a lot of spice. Tip your roadie. And it, fuck, yeah, yeah, <laughs> our, fucking, our sound guy's awesome. John, we got Johnny this time, but Andre, our, our normal sound guy, we've been working with him for years and years. Uh, the, the kid I'm playing is actually uh, Todd, Toddy from uh, King Parrot. It's his kit. Okay. It stays in the States, so it's a Pearl, beautiful Pearl reference kit. Yeah, I was checking it out, it's low key. awesome, man. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, it's like, it's the illusion of a gigantic fucking drum set, but it's just enough for what I need. It's I perfect. I might add another chining here just to be a little bit flashier maybe another crash to have some more character there here and there but other than that man i, I love it it's simple uh dude i'm on and off stage five ten minutes and we're fucking ready to go ready for a drummer that's crazy yeah yeah I, definitely I, I struggle with that and my my setup is full-blown electronic drums i run through uh superior drummer and that's how i play out so i understand the electronic part yeah. can sometimes it can get fucked up, it, dude. It, and my module's having issues right now. It likes to cut off on me, and it's just a it's just a power <laughs> issue, man. It's just a whatever you, is comfortable for you. But when you do as much fly, like we've been flying so much, mm -hmm. my entire rig is a, a backpack, a Pelican case, that's and my cymbal case, and that's it. Right. And, and the only the only thing that is that would give me anxiety is you're just relying so much on the airlines getting your shit. Well, that too, and that's a whole different ball game, but. Just electronics. Yeah. There's something to be said for analog stuff too. That's just yeah. it's but that's reliable. Why, but, but when you have more signals in your kick drum like that, sure. if my triggers fail, it's not the end of the set. No. You know what I'm saying? You bust yeah. a hole in the tom or your snare. Or like your emergency like parachute. Yeah, for sure. So that's cool. It, it's, it's like a security blanket. Sure. Were you expecting Guar to join you on stage, or was that just impromptu? Uh, we heard a rumor. We heard a rumor. Okay. That they might they just kind of came up. Yeah, well, they were doing uh, press or right right by the. Yeah, stage. we were talking. We to were him. talking to him, and then we were like, "Oh, we, we just saw him. Yeah. He's right there." Yeah. Okay. But that I was. Thought it, I thought that it was made awesome. the show. Yeah. That was really. Bad. That had to be something else. I, I could mean, like smell the costume, like as I was yeah. like. They really? poked him a couple times. Oh, uh, so horn. they got those giant the horn like, thing. fake dicks and the big horns and all that. And <laughs> oh, yeah. I got the mic on his face and his, his beard with who knows what's in there is rubbing up on. Like, oh god, I gotta. Yeah. But it was worth it because been. those dudes are just out of this world, literally. Yeah, literally so. yeah. Very cool stuff. You want to join us? I want to. I want to ask you. I want to ask you too, because uh, we were talking about uh, instrumentation rigs here, and we've got. Uh, you want to introduce yourself? Uh, Steven from the Illegals. Hola, yo soy Miguel de Leon. Wowza! All right. <laughs> so I was curious because um, you've got a Solar, 
Yeah. I am all about Solar. It's my next birthday gift in a couple of months. How do you like it? Because that's something that, that I've really wanted for a while. Uh, right out the box, man, I was completely impressed with it. Not even a setup, just boom. No, I had a... Okay. The, the intonation was out pretty bad on it, but once okay. I set the intonation... They're just so beautiful. It's good. I've just been jamming on it ever since. It's so all I did. great, right? So that's awesome. What yeah, it's awesome. What do you rock as far as your rig goes? I uh, I use Jackson guitars uh, through and through for the guitar uh, area. Mesa boogie heads, Omega cabs, uh, Moor GE 200 for the um, for the pedal, Ernie Ball strings, and um, Pig Hog guitar cables. It's my setup right there. Fuck yeah, awesome. awesome. And then I saw you have another guitar that I, I couldn't figure today. out what it was. It's got that active pickups, the EMGs it looks like. Uh, today, yeah, we had uh, the guy from Diamond bring a guitar out and uh, okay. demoed that on stage for him. Did yeah. you like that? It was all right, it was nice pretty tone. cool. It was a little tone. weird, it was, uh, it sounded all right. Yeah, and how did you guys like the impromptu guar appearance? Ah, uh, yeah, it was awesome. That's just oh, incredible. Yeah. For me, it was a dream come true, man, growing up. Guar was just, they were, you know, they were always there. They were a very prominent band in the metal and crossover with the makeup. So it was awesome. And we had totally forgot they were going to come up and do it. It was kind of mentioned, but we didn't know that, you just know. totally, well, you're in the moment. Yeah. The last thing you expect is to see a bunch of alien dudes on stage with you. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Man. And I asked these guys how they got involved with the illegals. I kind of want to know your story as far as... How how you, how Phil got in touch with you? How you got in touch with him, and, and how it all came to be? Uh, I came about through, I guess, Martin, man, an old guitar player. Okay. Uh, kind of brought me in, into the fold. Very cool. How about you? I uh, actually came in the band through Stevo. We were in uh, in Germany. I was in another band at the time, and uh, we crossed paths with the Illegals. Hooked up with these guys, and. Uh, down the road, I got you know just we ended up just jamming together and uh, and uh, yeah, it's man. been it's been a good time ever since, man. You ever pinch yourselves, just like, am I really doing this with the legend? You know, I, I mean, it's, uh, or is it so familiar now that it's just not a not a thing, you know? Yeah, it's not a thing anymore. Yeah. Uh, after the, I mean, when I came around the first couple nights of jamming, that's. Uh, that's when I was like, and oh we're, shit. And we're so young, you know that that we. Our Pantera moment was today. Oh, kill we, we don't, we never, I was eight years old when he was in his heyday with Pantera, and I'm like, I never had that opportunity, so I really tried to soak it all in. Now, I'm sure you'll agree, nobody can replicate Dimebag and Vinny, of course. Oh, yeah, no, we don't really try to either. I tried to immerse myself as much as possible so I could enjoy the moment, you know, I just... You ever think exactly. about that, maybe? You know, just a lot of these kids, especially these festivals now, it's all young kids. And I bet you there was kids in the crowd who had no idea that these were Pantera songs. They probably were just like, like me, you, young, young, unaware. So, I mean, that's that's special enough as it is, and that probably makes you keep, want to keep going and going to spread spread that true well, we metal. doing this. Spread the gospel. Right. When's the first time we did this at the Viper Room? Uh, what was that like last? So we did it sporadically in the States, and then uh, we started doing it more and more at festivals in Europe and South America and Australia. Wow. And uh, I forgot where I was going with that, but... Uh, Australia. I forgot the question. How so, yeah, South America? It's like second I always see, like, Rock and Rio and all that, and it's just... It South seems America insane. Complete insane, insanity. 
probably the most awesomest, craziest fans in the world, man. South America. A lot rules. of people say that. It's, it's, it's That's true. what I was gonna say. We're a little spoiled because we've been playing into those crowds for the last year, sure. man, and they right. go bananas as soon as you like, hit the they, first. They chant the riffs and shit. As soon as wow. you hit the first note, you can. Yeah, they're louder than the PA. So they're cool. louder than the band or the PA or anything. Because you don't even. It seems like one of the most ignored continents on the planet, and then you get there and you're like, why? Oh, for music, it's, it's the shit, dude. Yeah, I mean, you. Oh, Sepultura, and you know, might as well be in the fucking. Beach. So you know, to <laughs> to be able to play them and see the crowd light up like that, or some young guys I've never seen it, man, to enjoy it, you know. And, that's so cool. I hope you yeah, got some awesome. time to check out the rainforest because apparently there's not much time left to check it out. Nah, it's still there. It's still there. Yeah. That's all propaganda. Is it? All, we flew over it. It's still there. <laughs> it's too, that's too funny. All right, well, we won't keep you any longer, but I appreciate yeah, everybody coming out and uh, doing the interview on the All Things Music podcast. And uh, where are you off to next? Where are you going? Uh, Little Rock. Aftershock. Aftershock. In Sacramento. We'll see you guys out there. Awesome. Go check out Phil and Samo and the Illegals at Aftershock Slayer Festival. Tour. Slayer Tour. The, is it the, is it really the last one? Yeah, last tour. We, well, last they tour, keep man. saying that. I don't know. It's probably our first and last one. <laughs> Bomb. All right, cool. Thanks so much. Thank you, brother. All right, so uh, that was our interview with uh, the Illegals and Phil and Salmo. We actually got to meet Phil and Salmo. Uh, after that interview commenced and it was really cool and uh, Derek the bassist also gave us a couple of bass picks which was really nice um, so uh, next up for you we have uh, the legendary Amigo the Devil so uh, we're here with Amigo the Devil at uh, Louder Than Life Festival let's talk about these tattoos you got I mean it's just a canvas of there's a couple, couple horror movies here got like Sleepaway Camp Dead Alive Holocaust. Now I was talking to Ian literally two minutes ago about the purpose of tattoos. Some people get them for you know meaning. You have a lot of meaning to them. Some people just go and look through the book and say, "Give me that one." Are you? Are you? Which guy are you? I'm. I'm half and half. Half and half. Okay. Yeah, and the ones that have meaning don't really mean much anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> that's how I am. But exactly. that's a nostalgic factor. Exactly. You know, it's nothing. Exactly. Um, so. I discovered you, uh, I believe it was Sonic Temple this year, and uh, that was a, definitely a fun one. And I I went and I, I do a lot of research on the bands before I go and, and, and listen, just because I want to get that full immersive experience of what you're all about. So I'm listening to you, and I'm like, well, this is real, real nice and, and, and groovy and unique, and then I, the lyrics kick in, and I'm like, oh, like, fucking God, dude, I thought Cannibal Corpse was... was uh, it was brutal until until Amigo the Devil. You ever read or write these lyrics and then you're afraid the cops are gonna kick in the door and it's like damn, you know, it's just it's yeah. just a whole different level. I love horror as much as everybody else. I'd be afraid almost. You know how you like accident you not accidentally but you search something in Google oh, yeah, but like and then you're like, the keyword, oh fuck, like, the government's oh, got me now. You're already you know? on that list. That's not right. what I meant. <laughs> right. I mean that's interesting. Um, well, for me, I guess the reason that I, I don't really. I understand that from the literal aspect, yeah, they're definitely darker, definitely a lot more extreme than, than most uh, acoustic music is. Yes. But I always try to write it from a perspective that kind of plays on the human condition of 
more of like why people are feeling this way as opposed to just shock value or any of right, that. Right. Um, I always try to fit a, another meaning in there or just a general emotion. A lot of the songs are written based purely on, on how to describe a general emotion in humanity. So it's not always you necessarily, it's almost putting yourself in someone else's shoes and telling their story how you appropriately feel it would be told. Yes. I think there's only there's only two songs that are, are purely my emotional just vomit. Which one would those be for the so the listeners know? Uh, Cocaine and Abel is one yeah. of them. And um, uh, the the last song on uh, Stronger Than Dead. Okay. Okay. Those two songs are are purely my emotions. I would consider you then a novelist of sorts too. I love storytelling. Yeah. My favorite songwriters are storytellers like John Prine and Leonard Cohen. They're they're all song they great storytellers first and foremost. I feel like doing that through acute acoustic stuff is a lot more um, intensive to the person listening to it too. Yeah. Um, a lot more emotional because you know when you normally have a, a band playing that it's it's not as um, things will get lost the word in the translation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. one of the things that cause we, we get asked a lot like why don't you put a band together and all this and honestly I'm scared that everyone's going to focus on the music um, more than the story but right now the way the shows are especially when the festivals are just fun. Everyone here is having a great time. Sure. At our shows, it's very immersive. Everybody sings along, and it's very, very, very collaborative, essentially. Um, I'm scared that with a band, I would be playing at people instead of with people. That's interesting. Because right now, I feel like when, when, I, when I have a show, I play with people. And they all join. It's all one big you know, collaborative yeah, right, effort. Right. And I never want to play at people. And speaking of just being nervous, in 2019, with everything being so PC and everything being everybody being so soft, and and you wanting to be yourself and being yourself is working clearly. But are you worried that there might be a ceiling because some people just can't handle the content? We love it, but not everybody's like us, you know. Yeah, I think there's a there's definitely. Uh, a, a defining line between just being rude um, and having a dark perspective. Right. Right. A lot of a lot of people. It's like the horror movie condition, where a lot of the people that love horror movies, it's because they associate with darker thematic elements. Yes. Um, that doesn't mean the people who are making horror movies are are, are out there. Killing people or killing people or ruining people's lives or just no. being general assholes. I think most I mean, people who are into horror movies are probably the the nicest, most level-headed people. Exactly. Same thing with metal. Same thing with metal. Yeah, exactly. Slipknot last night said, "This is your family." Dude, and it is. Everyone there is, is there to be kind. And and there's a big element of sort of allowing yourself to understand that you have a dark side. Right. Everyone does. It's humanity. Like we are basically a plague on earth as people. Oh yes. Just, just humans in general, and I don't mean that in the sense that everyone is miserable or anything. I just mean that you know we have this controlling factor over the decisions that we continually make the wrong decisions of. Oh yeah, right? all the time. And and for me, the big thing is empathy. Like if you have empathy and you can be kind to other people and giving, and you if you're willing to sacrifice a little bit of yourself so that someone else can be happy and comfortable. 
basically we're all in this together. Sure, it's just, absolutely. It's that family aspect. And where, I think people don't learn from history either. That's the biggest problem. Well, they forget after 50 years. Yeah. It's just it genuinely like it genuinely is. Just be be good to people. Oh yeah. That's like be 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 giving. Be willing to. to give up some shit. Like, yeah, and take some time. I think that's the other thing is people think since we have such a finite existence that any little time that we decide to be generous with is so valuable that we'd rather give it to ourselves than give it to others. I just and think, that's just a general perspective. Yeah. I just think there's so many so many ways that we could be you know helping other fellow humans out that people refuse to yeah. because of XYZ. It doesn't matter. Like, live your life, like what you like, as long as it doesn't infringe on anyone else's. That's it. It's fucking super easy. I'm all for everyone to be happy as themselves and their element. However, I don't know. Uh, don't get me started on animals. Because, I mean, listen, humans are one thing, but when people aren't even caring about the environment, Dude. that's uh, that, that boggles my mind because I, I don't understand. Yeah, I get it. We're only going to be around for... 40, 50, 60 years, whatever our lifespan's gonna be left, but this is still our, the realm that we're living in. It's gonna be too late, and then eventually everybody's gonna be like, oh my god. Well, you know what's funny about the, not funny at all, it's sad, but um, the one miss, the one thing that, that, that confuses me about people not wanting to take care of the earth in general, like this, this place we live on. The earth is going to regenerate at some point because it yes. has, right? But, right. like, what we're killing is ourselves. Because, mm-hmm. like, everybody acts like people are stronger than the earth. Not even close. We are hurting yes. the earth, obviously. Right? We are not. No. But all it's going to do is kick us off. Yeah. Well, that energy has to go somewhere. The energy that we're putting out has to come back sometime like karma but like on a universal scale basically that's the way i think about it there's i feel a like show. you think about it probably the same way there's a show on the history channel i think it is where it's like a hundred years after humans or something is called like that and they show a timeline of what would happen if humans were gone and then what what this becomes everything is overtaken by nature again so nature will always nature win. Will always win. Always. Because it's way more Even with more nuclear powerful. weapons, it doesn't matter. It's more important than we are. Right. It's more powerful than we are. I think it's... it's Adapted. There we go. Yeah. And, and we it, are. It's, it's unbelievably... Like, when you accept it, one of my favorite things in the world is just going camping and all that. I, I love hiking and all that. And you just look around, and once you accept how rad nature is from a perspective of, of appreciation as opposed to any stance or whatever it just it's such a badass thing that we get to it's like a, it's a privilege so to cool. look at a damn instead of sitting in our houses and staring at ourselves yeah it's a privilege yeah. like nature is a damn privilege so do you get like a lot of inspiration like clear head and stuff you said you hike a lot like yeah. is that like so that's a pretty like regular thing yeah I, you're I, like I routine really, i would well it's quiet i like the quiet so do you write out there no because I, I was gonna say you know how you like watch a horror movie and then you like after you're done, you get really jumpy that someone's going to come break in or something. Doing that on a hike, writing about it, and then I'd be like someone's following me the rest of the trail or whatever. Yeah. That would just be too much. No, for me, it's, it's kind of the opposite because my brain, um, like, when, when I'm around stuff, 
I'm, I have a hard time differentiating sure. between noise and stuff like that. So it's always just moving, 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 and then that's why I like nature so much because it's quiet, and I get to just dive. My brain disappears, and that's what I need. Right. Um, so it like shoves out all of the. It's like it's like shitting for your brain. Right. Yeah. Do you take your phone with you? No. So you leave all that shit at home and everything. For the most part, yeah. So are you afraid that something might happen and then you don't have your phone and then they just had some some girl that was like lost in Appalachia for like 30 days or something and then she finally got rescued. Yeah, I mean I'm, I'm usually either with people or That's good. yeah. Uh, I'm of the mindset that if something happens, it happens. Yeah, I've always been it's just kind of meant to be. Yeah, that's what my, my grandpa always says. He's like, I'm a fatalist. That's what he says. I, that's, <laughs> if oh, it yeah. happens, I'm gonna use that. that is, yeah, that's what I, he says. I am now a fatalist. Yeah, I'm like, that's fine, grandpa. But can you be a fatalist after you're done driving me around? Because yeah, I'm trying to live. It's, uh, it's one of those things. I just uh, since I was young. It's, I, I try to not be an idiot, but I'm pretty dumb, so I, I don't. I'm not. I don't. I don't. Oh my job God. Same. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, on a lighter note, so Halloween is coming up. Since you are such a horror movie fan, tell me your favorite horror movie and then your least favorite horror. Movie. Sleepaway Camp is my favorite. Okay. Of all time. Just because it was the first movie I remember um, understanding, like. Understanding the, the 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 writing and the process of of a horror movie. Sure. Uh, I was young. And then my least favorite. Ooh, that's a super hard one. I know there's a lot of doozies out there. But it's funny. Even the bad ones. They're good in their own way. Right, what have I not been able to get through? I actually can't think of anything. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple. I I know that I've done what's, my what's your binges on, on on Netflix. I can't remember the name. There was one though where it's like they're in a mental hospital, or they, they run away from from a, a a town that's under attack. So they go to a mental hospital because that's the smart thing, of course. And then they get sucked into another dimension, and it's really like it. The movies, it's one of those movies that's really good for three fourths of the movie, and then the ending just kills the movie entirely. Yeah. Uh, Stephen King. Uh, that the stand, stand, dude, it's great. It's probably one of my favorites, but it's also probably my least favorite because it's like so real. <laughs> it could happen. So Those it's, are always the worst. Yeah, I don't even know if I'd classify it as oh, like. A I've scary got a good answer movie, for you. As much as just a. The I think it's the happening. Was it with Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel with, the, with the wind? Yeah, so I never oh, it. oh yeah, I know what you're talking it's about. It's so it's, it's so bad. It's good. Was it's it that the those. wind killed people? There it was made like, people uh, kill themselves. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. So I, it was I, nature, I which was cool, but that the acting is it's not the actors. You Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel are good actors. Yeah. The writing was so bad. Was it? Oh, I, I, don't, I don't remember finishing it. I remember either someone was watching it near me, but I do remember the Sharknado. Sharknado. <laughs> pretty solid, though. Pretty That's good. more sci-fi. <laughs> well, I guess that could be horror. I don't know. My favorite horror, it's kind of a cheat answer, but Twilight Zone series oh, is just my... Every, I love Twilight uh, Zone, I man. I love that stuff. I, I really, really love the like Dead Alive and Bad Taste and stuff like yeah. that. It was always really fun for me. Sure. Actually, uh, are you a fan of Rob Zombie's uh, horror movies? Yeah. For the so part. the Halloween one I mean, he did, yeah, yeah. the original Halloween one. You know the little who plays young Mike Myers? The little kid. The little kid. His name in real life is Dag Ferretch, and uh, he's a rapper. 
Oh, shit. And I produced some some hip hop stuff. And so a friend of mine who manages him hit me up and was like, "Hey, can you make a hip hop beat for Dave Ferret?" So rad. I was like, "Okay, this is the most random thing I could expect, <laughs> but it worked out. It's pretty cool. I can't remember what his rap name is, but it was something hilarious. I'm gonna look it up. That's awesome. So, uh, how is working with Ross Robinson? Good. That, that's that, that's uh, like, it's just good. How does like, that even happen? Like, how does amazing. that come to be? Um, we were connected through uh, some people. I'm trying to remember exactly how it happened, right? But I mean, he basically he heard the music and he hit us up and he's like, "Hey, you know, if you want to do something, let's do it." And I was like, yeah, "Of course." Was it one of those things where he's just he says something, you're like, "Okay, I'll do that," because he no, has so not much. Really, not really. I'm trying to put myself in, in the position of, of someone who works with him because he has such a legacy. At the same time, you want to do your, your thing, but I'm sure his words mean a lot too. You know, and he doesn't try to change what you're doing. Okay. He uh, he just tries to get the best performance out of you okay. for what you're doing. Okay. So I'm like, I'm sure if I went in there and I didn't have anything ready, it would be a lot easier for for him to guide me through it. Sure. But I I went in there with most of the stuff on some level or another how I wanted it to be. And when he does make suggestions, it's always to improve what you're doing. Right. It's never like, hey, change this at all. No, right? He's never like, you know what, this will be better this way, trust me. You know, he's, he's very, very... I like that. He's receptive, uh, he, he's accepting, he listens. Right. How about Brad Wilk, how was that? Unbelievable. He's kind. He's a really good person. I'm sure, yeah. He's such a good person. Um, he was very giving. Like, he was very... Uh, I learned a lot from him. Um, in terms of even just patience, things like that. Just being a badass human. Right. And he... Uh, kind of the same thing. He listened to suggestions that I had, even though I was terrified to give them to him. Because I was like, dude, you're, you're Brad Willis. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Sure, no. But he, you know, he asked. He would say, "Okay, what, what do you want me to do here?" Um, and I'd be like, just, 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 and he'd be like, "All right, like this, perfect." Like, exactly like there that. are drummers like that that are just so irreplaceable oh, as yeah. far as like understand they, they understand what the completely wants. what you want without 100%. any kind of demo or anything. Yeah, it's, and one of the things I, I noticed the most that I learned about any percussive elements at all. The softer stuff that he played, like the more simple and the softer something was, I don't know how he does it, but it was just more powerful. Huh. Like it was even Less crazier. Less is more type of thing. Like there was one song where it was just minimal, like this minimal like western beat. And um, God, I remember he had these light little rim shots. And every time I heard it, it was so precise and so on point. And the... the, the like the energy he put into it, like the enthusiasm he put into it, just resonates. It's yeah. just, mm. A lot of that's like dynamics. The guy play drums. A lot of that's like dynamics and almost setting the mood. You, you set that mood and you set that energy to set you up. And it's that's what makes a good producer and, and good uh, artist. Being able to set that mood, play those dynamics, and play them well. So good. So, so good. So, uh, wrap it up. Tell me more about your headlining tour coming up. What can fans expect? I mean, it, it's, it's pretty cool you're coming across country. I know you're coming to our whole hometown in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really good build, too. You've got a really nice supporting cast for you as Twin well. Twin Temple, so. King Dude. Yeah. Really, really excited for them. Um, I'm, 
I'm appreciative they said yes because I just want to see him every night. Right. That's my, that's <laughs> my goal. It's definitely going to be a, uh, a little bit less of the usual like chaotic party type thing that we do because most of the tours we've done have been very, very high energy. Right. And I'm not saying that there's low energy because Twin Temple's got an amazing, amazing mm -hmm. vibe about them. But I think it will be very moody, dark, um, and I think to me it's definitely going to be the most put together situation we've ever done as opposed to just going out and hoping for the best. That's awesome. Yeah, so you're really feeling a little bit more like intimate. And, uh, yeah, and, intimate, and stuff like that. Intimate in bigger settings. More, more you. Yes. Cool. So that was Amigo the Devil. Uh, what a great guy. Uh, excellent conversation we had with him. Um, up next was uh, one of our rather more interesting interviews. Uh, at times it might be hard to follow along with where we were going with things, but uh, I think it was a pretty cool interview overall. Uh, this is the Finnish glam metal band Santa Cruz. Welcome back to All Things Music. We're here with Santa Cruz. Now, why Santa Cruz? That's really my first thing. If you're from Finland, I don't know if there's a Santa Cruz, Finland or not, but I uh, I was really curious why that name was chosen. I was a big Motley Crue fan at the time, and uh, it sounded cool to me. Yeah, I basically back in elementary school, and Archie was... I don't know, watching the world map or something, and we were trying to come up with a cool name, and we saw the little place in California on the cruise. And that's it. California is automatically cool, right? Yeah, exactly. That's true. True story. Um, tell me about Glamcore, how that came to be. Was that your idea to put you in that little yeah. category, or is that just a fan uh, thing? It was that a Revolver magazine. Okay. Rolling with it, kind of yeah. iffy about it. I mean, I, I think it's pretty cool to come up with your own little niche there and be, you know, unique. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's cool to have an own genre, but I never use it myself. Sure. You know? I think it just came about because we had a song with a metalcore riff, <laughs> and we looked like a bunch of faggots. <laughs> <laughs> you are alone. You're laughing. He's like, yeah. He's like, it's true. You can be as vulgar as you want. Working with like Alexi Leho and, and all those guys. And, uh, Bunch of assholes. <laughs> no. He's cool, man. He's got. He should just fucking eat more, man. This guy's fucking skinny as fuck. Really? Like me? No, me? like like fucking anorexic. Like you? Man. Yeah, like yeah. you. Exactly. Although you're not that you're not that skinny either. Yeah, I should eat more too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. How cool is it to? get your music in like things like Mercedes-Benz commercials. It was pretty cool. I mean, that's that's not easy to do and, and there are bands, I'm sure you could never even, we, I could never dream of having my music in any kind of big time commercial, just watching anything you want and then all of a sudden you hear yourself. It's kind of surreal. Yeah, it, it, really, it, it really was, but you know, we had to change the lyrics <laughs> to sing about fucking Santa Claus. Because it was a Mercedes Christmas commercial. So. Really? So do you had to, you had to go back in the studio after the original recording just for that? Yeah. Was that kind of awkward? It really was. <laughs> I would think so. Like almost ad-libbing 
what you originally wrote just just for one purpose because you're probably never going to use a Christmas version of that song no. in any other capacity. Never. And I I cringed when I saw the commercial, but it's still Mercedes, so it's fun. Yeah, I mean, you guys like Mercedes? You like Benz? Dude. We're car people, so. We are. Everybody loves Mercedes. Some people don't, but I feel like, like you know, the only reason you wouldn't like a Mercedes is because most of the people who drive, drive Mercedes are fucking assholes. Yes, true. So I guess I shouldn't ask if you have a Mercedes. <laughs> Oh, did I seem like an asshole to you? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. You're probably a real nice Honda driver. Yeah, dude. I'm just the <laughs> nicest guy. <laughs> um, so, when you guys released Skydiving Without a Parachute, yeah. it, was a, it was kind of a, a shift in your sound a little bit. Yeah, kind of. Was there a specific, was there a conscious reason to do so? Or was it just no, evolution I was, of... No, I was drinking a lot at the time and didn't want to go to the studio because I hated my other guitar player at the time. So he did the song and I was like, fuck this song. But I still sang it because, you know, man, you gotta fucking sure. record. Well, and he gets some writing credit, so, you know, you're, you're, the, not, you're the bigger person in that, in that way, you know. It's, yeah. It's good to be, be like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, you do, right? Every day, man. Yep. Every fucking day. Every day, baby. We grind. We grind hard. The other, the opposite spectrum. One Direction. Please, please don't mention that. Oh, I really don't want to, because I'm like that too. But I really gotta know. Well, you know, I have a huge crush on Harry Styles. He's the man of my dreams. That's the best answer I could hear. Honestly. <laughs> hey, man. Look at him, dude. He looks good in a picture. Yeah, man. <laughs> He's better looking than fucking Kylie Jenner, dog. You have no boy band aspirations, huh? I love the Backstreet Boys, man. Dude, me too. So, you too. So we my band is, is covering. Bullshit. We're yeah. going to the studio in two months. Er, no, next month to cover Backstreet Boys song. Oh, yeah. uh, Larger than life. Oh no shit. Yeah, so it should be interesting because we're kind of like a modern rock group. It's like a kind of fucking rock way down. It's got songs. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely, dude. It's a great, that, that's a great cover idea, for sure. For sure. And it was hard to find something that five, well, four guys and one girl that, that we like together. Two girls and one cop. Two girls? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, it's a good thing this is an explicit Don't, don't edit that one out. <laughs> I like that, man. Yeah. It's rated, like, it rated R, Rated NC-17. Yeah. Uh, what what is that? What is that one that everybody tries you to tries to get you to Google and you can't? Something waffle? Something? Blue waffle. Blue waffle. I've Blue never waffle. googled it. I'm too afraid. You guys, you guys never heard of that? No. Dude, don't do it. Google it. Ah. I'm telling them to do it. Uh, I see. I'm, I'm being the bigger mind. man here. You're, huh? You must drive a Mercedes. <laughs> You're telling them to do it. I drive next best thing an Audi. So, dude, no shit. You like Audi? I drive an Audi, man. Hell yeah, man. A3, man. Yeah, okay. dude, I, I want an A3. You like it? I fucking love it. It's like kind of like a poor man's Mercedes. <laughs> exactly. No, but exactly. it's... All around a budget. Yeah, exactly. It's not even that expensive. It's like 30, 30K or 30 something. something like no, I mean, you could buy a new Hyundai, which is a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, it's like only like $5,000 less. So you can get a fucking Audi for $5,000 more than a Hyundai. Think of it like that. Yep. So. I mean, you've got the rich man's Beetle, right? Oh, yeah, I got a TT. So I don't know if you know what that is. 
It's a great car. Yeah, yeah. sports car, but it looks, it looks like a Beetle that just got its top cut yeah, off. Yeah, it's like a squished Beetle <laughs> yeah. with a turbo. <laughs> that's, that's a nice car. Thank you. Um, being that there were so many lineup changes in the last year, two years, whatever, how do you compartmentalize all of that? Well, you know, being an asshole that I am. Seeing the Mercedes driver, yeah. there you are. I have to change people around me because you know, fucking a lot of people don't. They don't last, you know. I'm pretty hardcore, you know. So a lot of people don't last. They're like, fuck this, I'm gonna a real job. I've known him like 20 years, so for me it was. It's nothing. It was just a cinch. What? It's just a cinch for you. It was just nothing to, to, to yeah. go right in. Yeah. So I, I mean, to get five people, six people, hell, Slipknot, nine people. It's just impressive to get that many people right. together right. and get along. And I know, I understand. There's tour bus fights. There's all kinds of stuff that goes on with bands that stay together forever. Yeah. So it's just, it's just when you know when do you. Like, say enough or when do you say it's time to evolve when do you put up with it I'm a kind of a person that if I commit to something it's for life so that goes to rela like relationship with women and bands so if somebody's up to leave I you know I let them to make that decision sure you know because it's never personal or can it be personal it can be personal but to me, like, there's nothing that you can't fix. But a lot of people, they don't have that kind of mentality. Yeah. I agree with you. I think it's part of just being an adult and saying, let's just sit down and use our yeah. words. But yeah. some people are so stubborn. Yeah. It's just it's like being married to, like, four or five different people. Exactly. It's fucking hard, man. It is. And when you're in a tiny area traveling all over everywhere, you know, there's lots of stress and shit. Exactly. And it demands a lot of work. And to me, it's a loser's choice to quit. Yeah. And, I mean, you probably see these people more than you see your significant other anyway. So it's, Yeah. Yeah. You deal with all I don't even have time to have a significant other anymore, you know? Right. <laughs> well, how often are you, how much are you guys on tour to say? all the time all the time full yeah. time yeah lifetime thing yeah are there ever times and you're like i mean i know you said that you had that mentality but are there ever times you're like man you know i want a actual life where i can kind of go about doing what i want to do i do a lot of times last time was today <laughs> next time will be tomorrow yeah <laughs> right like every morning you wake up i'm sure you probably think it about like, it. everybody does yeah it's like imagine if i just had a fucking dog no stress wife right. you know like it's funny how life works because i'll be on my couch with my cats or whatever and i'll be like i wish i was on the road right. having a blast exactly and then the guys that are on the road are saying i wish they were me which is just yeah. silly the, to me the grass is always greener man it really is you know what you know what they say i was just listening to uh uh jamie josta hate reads podcast and he was talking to Mike Mushock from Stain. Oh, cool. And he was saying how he hasn't gone on the road in so long. Because Stain, you know, they're here tonight, but they they were on a hiatus, on a major hiatus. He's almost like, I got so accustomed to normalcy yeah. that I, I, I got to reacquaint myself with road life. Or being on the road for so long, you have to go home and, like, do normal people things. And, like, 
you get the post-toward depression. Sure. That's it's, what it's called. That's is it always thing. depression, though? Or is it sometimes like, wow, I'm glad everybody's not bothering me. It's like, <laughs> it's like fun for three days, and then you're like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Yeah. You know? Especially in Finland. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what Mark from Chimera said. We talked to him about that a lot. Yeah. And, uh... He made a movie or something about it. So yeah, we had an interview with Mark from Mark Hunter from Chimera. I know uh, Yeah, and he he uh, he deals with bipolar. So oh, he had yeah. a lot of real. And so do issues. I. That's my thing too. And it's like you know some days are fucking easier than others. And you go through like he was talking about like what you're just saying. You go through a three day period of feeling great, and then you have a week of feeling like shit. Why am I doing this? Trying to remember why you're doing it in the first place. Like yeah. So, I hear that, man. Like I've, I've, I've had times I've thought I was bipolar, but I, just, I haven't been diagnosed with it. You I know, think mental health just needs to be more of a thing in the music yeah. industry. Right. Exactly. I think people just see artists as just robots who are there to please us with their talents. Exactly. And then we go home happy, and you guys, in our minds, you got your, your babes on the bus, you're having a blast, yeah. it's the microcosm of everything, but exactly. in reality, it's not always like that. Most times, it's not like that. Exactly. And you just have to... And whenever somebody does something stupid, it's like, this guy's fucked up. Yeah. They don't yeah. see like the reasons behind it, you know? No. Right. You say one bad thing, or you do one bad thing, it escalates. Yeah, it's yeah. social media, media It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's weird because the media really mainly wants to focus on negative shit all of the time. Is the Finnish media as awful as the US media as far as that goes? Probably even worse. Really? Yeah. really? It's a bummer. We always hear in the States how great of a place Finland is to live for your mental health. That's what we, we there's articles about it, there's whether it's the work hours or... Most suicides per capita in Finland in the world. What? Yeah. You know, it's... Isn't it the same, though? They, they said that, like, your work week is maximum 30 hours. They have, like, a law and stuff. Yeah. So I feel like if I had that, I'd be a happy guy. Yeah. Like, I work, like, 60 hours a week. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we would be thrilled if we had that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm never fucking home. And, and I just work all And he's not a rock star either, so no. he can't brag about shit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sitting there selling Hyundai parts. Yeah. Swear to God. That's crazy. Yeah. But it has lots to do with uh, winter time because it's so fucking dark, like six months. Sure. And yeah. everybody's just stay home because you can't go anywhere because it's fucking cold and dark. And You guys you know. have are the are one of few people who have it worse than us. We're in Ohio, we're in Northern Ohio. It sucks from November to April, but I can't imagine. You guys probably have these blizzards that are out of control. Dude, that's why I'm glad I'm here. Today it's hot as hell, that's for sure. Look at me, I'm sweating like a pig. Uh -huh. I mean, it's better than freezing your nuts off. Yeah, uh, it is. I mean, it really is. I'd rather fucking have this than freezing yeah, my exactly. damn nuts off being cold right now. Yeah. True story. So where are you off to next? LA. What do you got there? Barbara. Okay. That's cool. Are you headlining that gig? Yep. Awesome. Who's on the bill? I don't even know. <laughs> I think it's sold out though. I think it's sold out? Yeah. Sold out. Wow. So you're going from one hot place to the other, which is perfectly fine. Um, when do you go back home? After the tour. Okay. Have it in like less than month. Okay. March or something. We go home uh, uh, 
November, 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 I think. November. November. It's a decent time in the states and yeah. two months, yeah. 29 shows. Yeah. We're not all crazy uh, gun wielding rednecks, just so you know. Just today. Just today. Just today. At our hotel, this guy pulls up and he held a fucking handgun. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah, man. He was fucking holding a Glock. And we're like, welcome to Kentucky, dog. First thing I saw in the morning. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's exactly like what they say, man. Kentucky is. We had to stop at CVS to get him some some Motrin, and I got off at the wrong CV, the wrong exit for CVS, man. I was like, let's go, let's go. Yeah. Anybody walk by my car, I'm like, I'm not ready. I am not ready. I'm pulling away. I'm leaving you there, man. That's yeah, funny. So, all right. Well, let's wrap it up. Uh, thanks for uh, your time today. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, Santa Cruz, it's a pleasure to meet you, and uh, hopefully we'll be seeing you on the road soon. So that was uh, Santa Cruz. Uh, up next was an uh, interview I've been looking forward to literally my entire life because of who they are and what, what they've meant to the local scene and the national scene and the universal scene. Uh, this is the aliens from a different galaxy. Uh, we only had five minutes with them. Um, so kind of rapid fire here, and it was our first interview of the day. Uh, so without further ado, this is Guar. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. All right, we're here with the All Things Music Podcast, checking out Louder Than Life. We're here with Guar. Uh, what's the day been like so far, guys? Uh, well, you know, it's been slow, really slow. I don't know, from back here, I think it was fast as fuck. No, 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 it's just boring. We woke up on the bat-shaped helicopter, yep. smoked some crack, yep. and uh, I sucked off a few cops. There were some Excellent. cops back there. Uh, did that get you anywhere? It did. You know, I'm, I'm trying to meet a lady who is who has a penis. I want a woman who has a penis. Okay, I think you got to go Thailand for that. And is and is and who is forklift certified. That's what I want. Okay. Well, I don't know if I can help you with that one, but I might be able to help him with that one. Okay, okay. we might maybe. We'll keep an eye out for that for sure. So, you guys have been on tour with Slipknot before. You've played shows with Slipknot before. Are they aliens or not? Just lay it to rest. What is it? Uh, I, I don't. We've never been on tour with Slipknot. Not tour, but shows. No, we, we, yeah, we played right. some shows with them. Uh, I mean, to my knowledge, Slipknot are holograms. How? Explain that. I mean, they're they're not humans at all. They're like a projection of 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 someone else's thoughts onto stage. So we're paying our hard-earned money to watch thoughts. Well, look. Have you ever have you ever gotten their VIP experience? I have not. Uh, try that sometime. Oh yeah. It'll make you feel very important. Excellent. Okay. The other thing I want to ask you about, since it's in the news right now, is Trump an alien or is he a shapeshifter? What's the deal? You know, Trump. We're thinking about extending an invitation to him to join Guar because he has managed to make so many people genuinely unhappy and also confused about what's true and what's not. And ultimately, that's our goal as well. So, so he's a good candidate. He is a good candidate. We're, we're thinking that maybe he might be, you know, you've heard of the fifth Beatle. He might be the sixth Guar. Okay, well then I'm confused because George W. Bush was just as idiotic and you used to decapitate him on stage. What's the difference? Well, we did decapitate him, but well, we killed Trump every single night. We rip his fucking guts out, but he just keeps showing back up. I mean, he's he's clearly not human. He's an alien. I think so. Are you going to do that today? 
Uh, probably, yes. Okay, excellent. I just got poked in the neck by a fucking horn. Awesome. Okay, um, so other questions I have for you. Has a concert goer ever been mad at you for ruining a shirt before? No, but we have gotten letters from mothers who were upset about their kids. Like, you know, this one lady wrote us about her daughter's hair. And she had to go to a, she had some kind of a beauty pageant. You're she, kidding. She'd gotten her hair dyed and then lied to her mother and went to the show. And the lady told us, you know, you have enough talent. You don't need to dress up in costumes to impress people. <laughs> Clearly that. And, and, and I, I, I was very grateful for that. And that's how, that, that's why you see us today, not in costumes. No. Because we changed how we were doing things after that letter. What'd you do with that letter? Well, I mean, I did what I do with all of the letters from the fans, which is that I chewed it up into a tiny little spitball, and then I stuffed it up my nose, and then I inhaled it into the base of my brain. And, you know, I mean, that's what I, my brain's just got a lot of little pieces of paper up in the top of it. All right, you ready for this one? Because this might make you a little angry, but Guar is older than both Ian and I, okay? Yeah. How do you go about getting fans our age? I mean, is it... It, it's kind of, I don't want anything to get lost in translation here, but... I mean, you know, Guar is timeless. It's a... Uh, and I'm sure 28 years is like one Guar year, right? Something yeah, like that. not even. I mean, it's like, you know, the agony just, just continues to roll on and on and on. Make no mistake, 28 years is like 2,800 years in Guar time. Absolutely. You ever forget who you are? It's just so complex. I have no idea. Who I, I mean, non-drug related. Just, just completely forget. Just based on what's around you. A lot of times, I wake up, you know, screaming. Or <laughs> I come, I regain consciousness on the floor of a bathroom, covered in urine. And I don't even know if it's mine. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing happens. Excellent. Uh, last time I saw you guys was Sounds of the Underground 06 and 07. Nice. What are some of your favorite festivals to, to play at these days? Uh, well, I mean, I like, I don't like, look, you know, we don't like to play at all. Okay, you really, know what to I be mean. honest with you. Exercise I mean, your right to exist. You know, I mean, really, to be honest with you, Sounds of the Underground was a, a lot of fun. Fuck yes. But I think that probably, for my money, What's the name of that festival? Uh, oh yeah, the stay-at-home one that everybody the talks stay about. stay-at-home with air conditioning yeah. and your own bathrooms. Yeah, that's the one I like. Yeah, well, yeah. you don't need a bathroom that, that often. One. No, of course, I need bathrooms constantly. I mean, at home, do you play uh, World of Warcraft at all, out of curiosity? Uh, not World of Warcraft. We, we used to play a game called Melee, which was based on World of Warcraft. And, and uh, you know, I mean, Guar's always been a bunch of comic book loving gaming geeks, so yes, that continues on to some degree. So that was the extraterrestrial group known as Guar. Uh, awesome dudes, I guess we could say dudes. They might get mad for us not calling them aliens or whatever. Um, but very cool, very surreal to do that. Uh, finally, uh, last but not least, our favorite interview of the day, if we're being biased, but someone that we uh, got along with really well um, and had a lot in common with. I think we actually learned a lot uh, talking to him as well. So this is Chris number two from the band Anti-Flag. 
All right, we're here with uh, Andy Flagg. What's going on, man? Uh, not too much. We uh, played a nice breakfast brunch set at Louder awesome. Than Life. Uh, it was cool. I didn't really know what to expect. Um, people showed up by the end, seemed to be into it. Um, we're kind of the bastard children here, you know. Um, uh, we, yeah. don't, we, don't, we don't perform with Guns N' Roses and Godsmack that often. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I was actually going to get to that, but we might as well do it now. Stained. I mean, yeah. So yeah, yeah. we saw Stained <laughs> last night, and it's one of those kill your idol scenarios where, yeah. you know, Aaron Lewis, everybody understands Aaron Lewis. Not everybody, so people love Aaron Lewis. Yeah. Everybody with their head on their shoulders, in my opinion, understands that Aaron Lewis is a little bit wacky these days as yeah. far as his his beliefs and yeah, his, his, his politics are out of whack. They're a little bit. Yeah. So he wore a shirt sense. last okay. night that said it had a had a uh, AR-15 on it, Sick. and it said, "Hey Beto, hey Beto, come take it if you can," or something yeah, like awesome. that. Yeah, awesome. and don't tread on me, neck tattoo. Yeah, tattoo. And it's it's interesting that you bring that all up because these festivals have such an eclectic crowd. Yeah. Of your, you have a lot of far left, a lot of far right. You have, you know, you. I'm wearing my anti-NRA shirt today. Yeah, I've already gotten a lot of dirty looks. That's great, but that's okay. As long as you're in the lion's in the den, man. Yeah. You, 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 you came to the bee's nest and put the, uh, uh, you poked it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I, like the festival is a great experience because it is that amalgamation of different people from different experiences and backgrounds and walks of life, and they come together and they might find themselves in a scenario where. Um, they're arm in arm in an anti-flag pit, and they don't know why, and they just found themselves there, you know? Sure. Right. And um, I think that that proves, further proves the insanity of division. Um, and, you know, again, I'm not, it's not my job to worry about what Aaron Lewis does. Right. Um, I think that, uh, uh, I think it's insane. Um, in 2019 to be on the side of the gun not the people. Oh, I agree. Um, but I also recognize that, look, this is a big... Most of the people that find themselves in that camp of being uber pro Second Amendment, it's because of their upbringing, their interaction with guns their entire life. Um, you know, you guys mentioned you're from Cleveland, I'm from Pittsburgh. In central Pennsylvania, people grow up with guns from day one. They're just a part Same of thing what, in Ohio. Yeah, and as you yeah. get to the Midwest, you, you get there. If you go out of the metro area, you see yeah. signs, ammo this way, guns exactly. this way, yeah. like it's like it's a grocery store. So to, to then hear a conversation where somebody wants to um, restrict that in any way, shape, or form, it feels like an attack on their um, infrastructure of their life. Yeah. So I understand. Um, I think it's the greatest hurdle that we face with, with gun uh, violence in America is that um, we are dealing with indoctrination of gun culture, not just, you know, like, you know, the things that people want to talk about, whether it's a violent video game or a movie or whatever. Um, I think that the, the greatest hurdle becomes more how do we explain to the person who has a gun in, you know, Cleveland Heights, or has a gun in uh, uh, Altoona, Pennsylvania, and then recognizes that, yeah, I might be a good person with a gun, I might just hunt or I might do whatever, but these things are not happening in a vacuum, they're happening everywhere. So 
I need to discomfort myself a little bit for the betterment of many. And unfortunately, empathy is the most difficult thing to spread. Uh, it spreads much harder than cynicism or apathy or any of the others. You find that these right-wing politicians don't have uh, uh, an empathetic bone in their body towards uh, LGBTQ youth until they find out their nephew or their niece or their daughter and is then it's all different. And then it's different. What about that Oklahoma State Senator, do you remember that? Who yeah. he, he was all anti-LGBTQ and then he got caught yeah. Yeah. getting a, a blowjob yeah. yeah. or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's and like, then, wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and beyond that, you know, like, you have um, people like Beta. Uh, who I definitely feel like has introduced a lot of really important things into the public discourse. But one can also mention that until the shooting happened in El Paso, where was he on gun violence yes. before that? Right. So that empathy doesn't spread. He didn't, you know, the empathy with Parkland is, well, look into it. Now it's, I'm going to come to your house and take your AR-15. You know, the talk changes. Yes. Um, and, and, and that's an unfortunate thing about American culture that, that we have to reconcile, um, is that it, it is hard for people to think outside of their immediate world until it interacts with uh, themselves. That. So, so and that's going to take forever. It's going to take forever. Yeah, forever. And, and Which is why we need to attack them with the systemic problems. So uh, for me, it becomes education, it becomes healthcare, yep. it becomes the things that put burdens on people that isolate them. When we strip those away, we're going to have a freedom to interact with each other. When you are a kid from those places, and then you can go to college for free, and you get to pick where you want to go, then you're going to interact with someone who's different from you, from a different background, and that's going to change your viewpoint and your perspective. I think that passports should be mandatory in America. People should travel outside of their own towns and outside. Kind of seeing, you know, other cultures. I just had a conversation with somebody the other day about that at work. The same yeah. story. They live in their little area. They work there. They only know the people they grew up with. Right. And, yeah. And, and they never venture outside. My brother even is a good example of that. He lives, works in the same city. And then he, but he wants to talk about politics and other things going on. Yeah, it's yeah. like, no, dude, yeah. you've never even been. <laughs> go to shake someone else's hand or, or go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything. The thing you're afraid of, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, they talk about like the people that were canvassing for Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders in the lead up to the 2016 election. And they would go to the heartland and they would talk to people uh, and ask them what their number one fear was. And so many of them came back on immigration. But yeah. these are places that immigrants wouldn't be. Sure. Yeah. You know, like, like it's not their issue. It's an issue of California, Arizona, you know, border states. Yeah. Um, but again, when things aren't around you, when things aren't immediately interacting with you, the fear of those is much greater than if you actually went to the place and you saw and you were like, no, you know, like, and no one's worried about the Canadians coming over. Exactly. What's that tell you? Yeah. You know, it's it's all uh, the, the gang banging Hispanics. Yeah. It's all it's all hype, man. It's funny. I got a lot of me I got a lot of Mexican friends. Yeah. And they work ten times harder than any goddamn yeah. person I know. Anybody. And well, I just, think that it's just it just also is. Uh, uh, Constraint and uh, uh, when you find yourself with your back against the wall, you will be amazed at what even you have inside of you that you didn't know was there. And I think that that's where a lot of these people are who have traveled 
immigrated for, for such long ways. But going back to what we're talking about, like for me, if we change the scope of our economic basis and we're not manufacturing weaponry as a major income of the United States, if we're not invested in the oil and gas trade the way we are, I think that uh, our immigration problem goes away because yes. we're not selling weapons to Venezuelans who are then starting wars and forcing people to it's flee. It's a whole circle. Exactly. I mean, when, when Trump decided to pull funding from El Salvador, yeah. I was like, you're doing exactly opposite of what you should be doing yeah. if you want to really if you want to stop solve the immigration problem. And I mean that's the thing, you know, like like the the, the, the warhawks are the same ones who treat immigrants uh, uh, and marginalized people as scourgers uh, of the earth, and uh, it's because they're they believe that war in their country is fine. They believe that uh, them dying on the border of our country is fine too. Uh, and it's, so it's normalized. It's normalized. And what we don't get is this: this is already ha not us, but but a lot of conservatives and, and real far right people don't understand is this has already happened. In before their lifetimes. I have a, a relative that was a Holocaust survivor, and they, in the, in the 30s, before everything started to happen with Hitler, a lot of Jews left Europe yeah, on boats, and they came to the United States, and they were turned away. Yeah. They had to go right back, and yeah. they died. Yeah, I mean, no, so how can we even possibly do that again? Yeah, beyond you know? that, I mean, even the even the folks that did make it in, you know, my, my, my mom came to the States when she was 13 from Italy. Um, those people that came over in Italian neighborhoods, they were forced to be in the same place. They could only eat in the same place. They couldn't, you know, they weren't real citizens of the places that they immigrated to. And, um, you know, that isolation leads to a lack of, um, uh, a, a lack of adaptation to what the actual facility is and what the what the infrastructure of the town actually is so yeah I mean it's it's certainly um, you know people talk because we are a political band people want to know about writing songs and you know like with the last couple records we've had these moments where we've been able to drop songs that seem immediately apropos for what's happening in the moment and folks would be like oh wow how did you know that this was going to happen in Charlottesville? How did you know that this was going to happen uh, uh, in Portland and uh, you know the other places where you see uh, uh, you know people in the streets marching for white nationalism? It's like because uh, it's, it's, it's in the first time. I mean the stories are there. You know what happens? The the mass mobilization of poor uh, and under uh, privileged people that leads to fear. That fear leads to anger. It's a fucking Star Wars. I was gonna say you're Yoda, not the Star Wars. Side. <laughs> yeah, I was actually gonna ask you about it, that. Yeah, I, noticed I that. mean it's just it's it's. Yeah, and so we need a little bit less Star Wars. We need a little more Bill and Ted. We need to be excellent to each other. Absolutely, and <laughs> dude. You're right. Yeah. Totally right. Are you excited for the new movie? I'm excited for them all. I love them all. Yeah. Uh, if we want to go down the Star Wars rabbit hole, <laughs> so I'm I'm a movie yuppie as it is, but cool. when it comes to Star Wars. I just don't like the new ones. Really? So I, love I like the new non-trilogy ones. Okay, so you like Solo? I like Solo. But Rogue One was, was amazing. A masterpiece. Amazing. Yeah. And my thing about it was Rogue One and even Solo was written so linear. Yeah. Like yeah. the old ones were with George Lucas. Everything was scene to scene to scene. Yeah. He gets a lot of crap for his word, writing. The word is the new one is supposed to take that uh, uh, like homage, like the structure. The structure of it, is yeah. supposed to be like. I hope so, because yeah. I. I 
Yeah, I don't know. Force Awakens was a copycat, and yeah. then The Last Jedi was just so off far out of left field. I yeah. had a hard time. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 mean, I even enjoy Jar Jar Binks. So, uh, is he a Sith Lord? Yeah, <laughs> that would be. That's amazing. the conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, so, in that sense, I'm not. I'm not a good critique of them because I suspend all belief and I suspend all. Uh, 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 like comparisons when I go in, I just kind of enjoy them as individual things. But uh, yeah, I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm not. The, I'm not a harsh critic of Star Wars because, like, I only use it as escapism. <laughs> so well, we it. all need escapism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's very true. Are you a Steelers fan? Uh, I mean, you kind of have to be in Pittsburgh. Um, so I watch the games when they're on. I'm actually going to go to my first ever game really? on Monday. I've never been to one before. Well, they're 0-3. Yeah, that's why I can go because the t- tickets are cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and you got rid of Antonio Brown, which is really good because that guy's a nutcase. I don't know if yeah. you know much about that. I've, but... I've seen enough to know he's a piece of shit, yep. so, uh, so that's fine with me. Yeah. We're Browns. I'm a Browns fan for sure, long-suffering, and yeah. we haven't had a winning season. I, w- I was rooting for them the other day, and it did, I mean, lost. Yeah. <laughs> As usual. They played the Rams, right? That was a tough game. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy out in Cleveland who has a book. He's a comedian, but he made a made like a graphic novel. Okay. It has a picture of a, of a like a middle-aged guy sitting on the couch, and the book says, "Why is Dad sad on Sundays?" A book about Cleveland Browns fathers. <laughs> or something. And I'm like, I just had a daughter two months ago. I'm like, that's I gotta get amazing. her that book. Yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, I um, um, I was excited when they won games. Because uh, I know they had that 0 uh, 16 season, so yep. I, I felt I felt that good about so them last year. When you look forward to something all week, every week, That's and brutal. then it's, it just never gets yeah. to you. Because we've had seasons where like one, two, three, four weeks, yeah, we get that gratification, and we rock our our, our gear around the neighborhood yeah. and everything with pride. But that year when you had nothing, nothing. the whole year they celebrated it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I thought that was ridiculous. I uh, <laughs> uh, so. I truthfully only care about ice hockey. Okay. Uh, Penguins, they did a rough yeah. year, didn't they? They, they? they did okay. They, they finished all right, but they um, uh, were short-lived in the postseason. But I went through dark ages of, of Penguins being last in the league year after year. But I loved it because I could show up and spend 15 bucks and sit right on the glass. And I enjoyed going by myself and having no one around me. It was a great uh, experience. I just loved the game so much. So I appreciate sticking it out. Yeah. Um, but they've got some great players. If they can, if Baker's for real, they can win some games. Are you are you a Sidney Crosby fan? Because I know he's either yeah. loved or hated. Yeah, I, he's a, he's the greatest player in the NHL. But I prefer I think Ovechkin would have something to say about that. No, he's the greatest goal scorer of our lifetime, Alex Ovechkin. But he is not the greatest player in the league. Sidney Crosby still holds that. Connor McDavid will be will usurp him eventually okay. if he can if he can learn how to command his team and like put him on his back. That's the thing Connor McDavid hasn't done yet. Like he hasn't done like Sidney Crosby literally wins them games and he's kind of a LeBron James of exactly yes right. very, very similar in that sense where um, in, in comparable markets Pittsburgh Cleveland same thing where Edmonton is such a hotbed of. 
the only fucking thing they have. That's all they got. It's winter, nine yeah. months out of the year or whatever. Yeah. So, so the I think that that pressure has a lot to do with Connor not being able to. I grew up watching Martin Brodeur, man. Uh, that yeah. guy was just He's great. funny. Another player who, just when he wanted to, he would will victory to happen. To circle back real quick before you know we got off track, but I, I, as far as our generation goes, or quote unquote millennials, when it comes to politics, in my little circle, it seems like there's a lot more talk and a lot less walk because yeah. of the technology. Yeah. So when you started as a band, that was not the case. Yeah. Just because of what what the environment was, are you kind of concerned that the message is being lost? It's it's more like I can I'm the loudest rather than I'm doing the most. Yeah, that's an interesting thought process. I kind of, I, I embrace the kiss and the curse of the technology. Um, our immediacy to connect with one another is at an all-time high. So we can't see that as a negative. So, sure, when people like Donald Trump get empowered, um, the collective consciousness raises, therefore you'll find more people that just latch on to movements because it seems hit or um, common discourse. Same thing happened leading up to the Iraq war where you could, couldn't fucking go to a show and didn't see somebody with a shirt that said, I hate George Bush or whatever. Sure. Right. Whether or not they're at um, uh, the front lines of the movement is not really the issue. We're certain searching for allies more than ever. Yes. And as the illegality of people's existence grows, you know, when the transgender uh, community, when the gay and the lesbian community is targeted, when abortions for women are targeted and their existence is illegal, you're no longer an ally, you're an accomplice. Yes. And that's what we need. Yes. So I can't ever fault somebody who just kind of dips their toe into activism. Um, I wish, better than nothing. I wish they sure. dove in. Yes. Uh, but I, but I, at this point, when people are dying in cages, people are dying searching for abortions in uh, the lower 48, we need, we need everybody we can get. And I've never seen a group of people so insecure about somebody who already won. So like Trump, if you voted for Trump and you're still a Trumper and you're all about MAGA and this, yeah. you advertise that every chance you can get. Oh, yeah. And I've never seen that from any other president. Well, it's, 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 there's a bit of a human element to, um, we naturally don't want to be wrong. And so this doubling and tripling down is just this like knee-jerk reaction to go down with a ship. How could I be wrong? You know, and um, you know, referencing history like we talked about earlier, there were a lot of people who stood idly by because they were making money, or they were um, uh, they felt their movement was growing. They felt like they had some power over some people. These things lead to complacency and complicity in the death of other people. Right. And um, unfortunately, that's where we're at in the turn of history. What will be the change is, and 
this comes down to what you're doing, it comes down to what we're doing. Like we're actively looking for documentation of people that stand in opposition to it. Yes. When the Nazi tribunals went down, they had to search for them. Now you can go on Twitter and you can find them and I can show you where they fucking live. Yep. Right. So, let them database themselves That's because fine. whenever yeah. it goes down in history, we're going to be able to point to it and be like, you, 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 you were fucking complicit in all of this. And I think that's where I have to, I'm such a misanthropic person for being only 28 years old. Yeah. And I have to tell myself sometimes there are so many more good people than bad people. So when we win, not if we win. Of course. When we eventually come on top. Well, what happens is the powerful will always demonstrate how out of touch they are with the people. Yeah. And that'll manifest itself in some some turn of violence against people, some um, turn of corporate greed versus the people, and we're very close to that tipping point with Donald Trump. Every day he's further and further out of touch with the public. Especially this week. Exactly. I mean, this week is like yeah. pretty, pretty and, and, up and there. And that's what you need. You need that public demonstration. You needed, you needed the march on Washington. You needed the Birmingham Bridge. You needed middle Americans to see them beat up peaceful protesters in the And street. you needed him to be caught red-handed, too. Because everything, as, as, as dumb as he is, somebody's doing something, not right, but somebody's doing something clever enough to hide what he's been doing until this point. Well, the reality of it is, and this is where, like, the moral compass is broken, uh, people don't care about him uh, uh, in the White House, the people that surround themselves with him. But what they do care about is rolling back EPA restrictions and regulations. They do care about um, corporate lobbying and how many open pathways to making more money they can create through him. So while we talk about Ukraine, at the same time they're allowing and opening up drilling in oceans that were uh, 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 unavailable to them before. At the same time, we're talking about Robert Mueller and Russia. They are opening up um, uh, national park resources that were unavailable. Uh, and I don't think we have a choice as far as talking about the stuff no, that have because to, yeah. that's the only thing that's going to get them out. But again, it's it's a it's a whole lot of look over here. Yeah. The window breaks and it's a corporate smash and grab on the other side. Exactly. Um, we will turn all that around. It's just a matter of how much devastation happens in the meantime. I feel honestly, I feel horrible for the next president who has to come in there, and, and, and I hope someone has literally put a list of everything, oh, well, so I mean, they can don't, just don't don't don't, um, don't be surprised if a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren wins that the con the economy collapses immediately afterwards right. and socialism or whatever is to blame for it. I mean it's just it, like just like Trump took the credit for Obama's you know last wave of, of economic stability. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's a um, it's always a, it's a cycle. Yeah. And, and it always probably will be unless something major shoving that pendulum yeah. one way or the other pushing yeah. it back. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So Next next eight years, what do we predict for this world? I mean, gosh, it, you know, I, I I'm worried about the next eight days. Um, uh, I mean, in our in our lives, we're gonna release a record. Um, we try not to date our art, but our record is very focused on the Trump administration and what's going on. And we felt it apropos to um, at least leave behind some document that said that this is where we stood during this time in our lives. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to the world. I gain a lot of hope from experiences like this. You 
guys are smart guys. You're here in the lion's den of Godsmack and Aaron Lewis people. Um, thank you for that. Thank sure. you for that existence. It gives other people hope. Um, and we, we, we often feel powerless as people that are carrying conscious and carrying empathy in our activities and our creativity. Uh, it's very easy to feel isolated and, and, and alone during these time frames, but when we find each other, we gotta celebrate one another and support one another. Um, and I, I'm hopeful that that will lead to a dismantling of the systems that got us here. Um, you know, I'm going to take everyone's AR-15 and the cops' AR-15. There's no reason. You know, no the reason. military shouldn't have more power over the people. There should be an equilibrium. So if they're going to take our AR-15s, they need yeah. to be talking about what they're going to do with theirs. And yeah. I think and, that's and a big I, problem. I mean, I, I and mean, while they have their AR-15s, so I, I have a counter argument to that. More than anything, it's, 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 it, for me, it's about dismantling militarized police forces, sure. local yeah. police forces. Yes, absolutely. But my, my counter argument to that, because I do get that from, from gun owners and non-gun owners is, well, it's my right to protect myself from a government. Yeah. And I say the government could take a drone over your house and drop yeah. a bomb in two that's, seconds. That's the problem. With, with this argument of, I carry this AR-15 yeah. to protect. They went, in Dallas, they killed that guy with a robot. Yeah. It was like a fucking tiny little guy. He no matter right what, in. the government has more than we could ever possibly have in So, again, the only way to demonstrate their disconnect is to let the powerful use its weapons on the people. It will show how out of touch they are with the people. Kent State. Exactly. I mean, that happened, and, and you never saw more revolution after the Kent State massacre. So, it, it, that's why I advocate for peaceful protests and peaceful revolution, because it has been the furthest demonstration of how out of touch the powerful are, leading to the most revolution and change that we've Absolutely. seen in our lifetime. I like that. It's always Gandhi it worked, MLK it worked, it's going to continue to work. Yeah. And so, in that sense, you know, I don't buy the argument that you need a gun to protect yourself against a well-armed militia to protect yourself against. Because, look, I I'm worried about the police killing black people at an alarming yep. rate. I'm worried about um, uh, white nationalists killing people at an alarming rate. Uh, those things are in our wheelhouse. I'm worried about my wife's a teacher in an elementary school. Exactly. The, this, when, when Sandy Hook happened and nothing happened after that, as far as... Form. I mean, I that's said a this great demonstration it. of how little they care about yeah. uh, human life. You, so, you cannot. Yeah. So right. kind of on a personal thing, my girlfriend right now is going to the academy yeah. for police. Yeah. And uh, we've been training and stuff. I've been, you know, be supportive. We've been training with firearms and whatnot, cool. but not ARs. Yeah. Um, I don't, and I don't really think I ever see ourselves having an AR. Yeah. Um, now I did kind of. I think the, the opposite, you know, where the government has ARs, we should maybe have ARs keep them in check, but yeah. then you just made a really good point. Yeah. It kind of maybe swayed me. Yeah, look, look, I just, I just mean that it is such a fallacy to believe that you could stand up to the U.S. military. No. Right, uh, right. Uh, and so I just, I, I just... And it, it doesn't mean that we would cave into them, right. um, but I think that, that it's a more powerful and move, moving imagery to me that when they come to round us up, if we sat collectively in opposition to it in peaceful protest, that statement is much more powerful like than us yeah. turning guns on them Absolutely. Um, and justifying 
their abuses and justifying their armament. You would wake the beast, if you will. So yeah, that was uh that was our weekend at Ladder Than Life. Uh, it was really fun. Uh, we got to talk to a lot of cool people, a lot of different people. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, you'll be seeing a lot of more of this to come. Uh, speaking of which, on Saturday, October fifth, we will be interviewing uh, the metalcore elite known as Wage War. Wage War. Wage War. Yeah, I'm fucking ready for that. Those guys are awesome. Been seeing them a couple times live, and now I get to talk to them about uh, their new album Pressures and a couple other things that they have going on. And uh, uh, it'd be really cool to do that. We got a lot lined up for everybody in these next two months. I mean. A lot. So now is a really good time to be part of the fan crew. Uh, subscribe, please. Uh, rate us uh, five stars on both um, iTunes and Spotify if you can. Um, tell your friends who like music. We're, we have we have an eclectic group of, of guests coming on of all different genres. So if you're not just into metal, you'll like a lot of other things we're doing as well. Um, and uh, I also made a Facebook group called the All Things Music Fan Crew. And what I want that group to be is kind of like a, a a way to have you participate with us as far as asking questions or coming up with maybe different segments or coming up with just feedback in general. Um, of course, Facebook decided to block me from adding more people to the group because they thought I was a robot or something. <laughs> um, but I'll get that handled. And uh, if you need if you need a, a link to the group, hit me up directly or hit up our social media pages. Or um, at the very least, you can type in All Things Music Podcast Fan Crew on Facebook and then search under Groups, and it'll be the first thing to pop up. Send a request to join. I'll add you right away. And uh, there is a our, the pin post is uh, for questions, and we will answer your questions every episode. So if you want your question to be heard um, on the next episode or the episodes to come, please feel free to ask music or non-music. We're 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 just gonna do whatever. Pretty so. flexible. Yeah. So. Um, all that aside, uh, I think that's it, and uh, look forward to uh, having a really cool Wage War interview up for you shortly. And as always, we're out. 